<laughs> what kind of beard you bring? Oh, there's uh, some uh, some fair weathers over there. Oh, I got some peepers there. Yeah, seats. Look at this. So like, this is the first thing I was thinking about. It's like I'm sitting on here. Like, it's all this hard little chair. You're in like this nice couch. Yeah, I like I like these. It's this is nice. I like the couch. But I'd always, you know, I've only done this as the fourth one. Fourth or fifth? No, fourth. Anyway, and I sat in this chair for three or two of them. Then I sat over there because Andy was sitting here first. I, it was, it's just different though because you just think about, you know, the perceived power or like talking down versus talking up. And when I sat over there, I felt like I was being talked to more. But it was good just because, of, you know, it's coming out of the chair position. So I had the thought of switching halfway through or whatever. Oh, yeah? <laughs> just like a half time and then you just you take the power share. Yeah, it's not. Power dynamic. Yeah, the power dynamic. Yeah, goddamn podcast. I swear though, I keep on new. Uh, like every day, a podcast. As far as all the videos. See, there's some characters in this valley you could interview. Yeah, somebody. I keep thinking of every, like, every, exactly. I'm like, Opie or Carl Decay or whoever. I keep thinking of people. I'm like, I could sit down with Opie for two hours. And a lot of the people that you could interview don't like each other. And you could <laughs> get that dynamic, you know? Well, I already thought about that. With you, which would be careful to avoid, like, gossip, right? Because <laughs> you can easily, like, have a Touching the small town void. Yeah. <laughs> that was my thought. It made me think of... Uh, turn this heat up. Like, it's kind of cold here. I just turned it on a little bit. I'm freezing for some. I need to put a hoodie on. Um, what was I thinking about? Yeah, all we got is kind of take random notes. Like, oh, what can we talk about? But then, you can use bullshit about anything. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking about, like, being focused, you know, super focused on something versus scatterbrained on things. And I, I don't know, where do you think you sit on being focused on trying to get shit done versus finding yourself getting scatterbrained? So I find myself on the scatterbrained end of the spectrum. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> See, but that's where I disagree with you. Like, we've always... We've always joked about you as being the guy who, uh, who like super focuses on one thing until you maybe lose interest in it and super laser focus on another thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Well, that's, that what, that's what I'm getting at, though. Is like. But you know. Yeah, I mean, because that was my thought. You know, because I was so focused on just skiing, but then it broke into like snowboarding, snowboarding, the downhill biking, downhill biking, and then surfing. You know, I kind of like and those are all physical things, right? Yeah. But then now. It, I kind of do, I feel like I'm scattered <laughs> as far as like, this isn't necessarily just a therapy session, it's more of a philosophy, just the philosophy of like being scattered, because you know, I want to be good at all things, that's the thing, you're right in that I like to get good at things, you know. You like the journey and the process to get good at things. Yeah, and I know that, and that's where like, the god dang, you know, the last thing we were doing with that Red Bull thing, you know, I'd sent it to him. It was, it was scattered. Like the, the the singular focus was building a bunch of stuff. Remember, like building. You know, that's the singular yeah. thing. But it was scattered over a bunch of stuff. And then I realized, as I literally like ten minutes before you got here, I was like, "Oh, my YouTube channel." As I know, I'm already violating the number one concept of having it focused <laughs> on one thing. And I already see it happening. I was like, "Oh, like just you know, I was do, but I was doing just running the triathlon training bullshit. I was doing that for fucking. I did like twenty episodes. I don't know if you watched any of them. Yeah, you just can't stick to one. Subject. Yeah, it's just like, like you're just like me. Yeah, <laughs> like I still like a little bit of running. Like I'm still doing these little micro things. But then I was like, oh, then I got into the art. I'm like, oh, 
it's just another thing, you know. But as far as working the YouTube algorithm, it rewards being focused on a single thing. As far as getting good on any single thing or being a single thing, and it's just tough to like. That's, that's the interesting part of having like a, a, a online persona. It's I think that if you want to have a successful online persona, you maybe pound one nail. Like people like to go to a source and identify it. Right? Like yeah, this is my source for this. But I mean, but but where does everybody else fit in that has like multiple interests and is an actual real human being? You know? Like, yeah. And that's where I remember it. I is it too real to just follow somebody's life and like everything that entails in that? Or is, uh -huh. it, is it, do they just, you know, I mean. Well, and that's where I'm convincing myself there is some focus by calling the channel Jake Young Alaska. Alaska's the focus. Because <laughs> I happen to be here. Because you're stuck here? Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn COVID. So, exactly. And then I was like, oh, I can interview people. So it's like, oh, art's in Alaska, skis in Alaska. It's all just Alaska. So that, that's a focus. And if I can umbrella under that, whatever that means, but I keep, like I said, I keep shifting back to like, oh, podcast, like I can interview, you know, this person, that person, like the second guy I did, never met him in real life, you know, I met him on Facebook, and I'd see him arguing people, I'm like, oh, this yeah. guy would be fun to talk to, and, you know, so that was interesting, and uh, the guy Riley, I know him from ski coaching, he was supposed to be here tonight, but he got sucked into work, and I'm trying, he's trying to work him in as like the co-host scenario, just as the third person to talk to, just to mix it up, which may or may not be necessary, uh, well, it's good when you have a shitty guest, you like yeah. push yourself a little co-host, or he, or you know, it allows you to get a little uh, research done, maybe. Yeah, you can have somebody yeah. that's like, you know, maybe flop a little little time into the internet to check some facts, and you don't sound like, like a, an idiot. What's his name? Conan O'Brien's Andy Richter. Andy. Yeah. <laughs> you need yeah. a little Andy. Yeah. But oh, anyway, yeah, I raced around. You saw the trucks sitting out there. Is that the way? Does that the is that it's, a... It's a lender. Lender? my parents, because literally... Backtrack. Did brakes on the, my truck last year, last September. Like, new rotors, yay. 2000 bucks or 1600 whatever it was, at Midas. And I was, don't go to Midas, go to... I'm like, but it was next to the bread shop right there. Yeah. And I want to sit around, and they sit at this nice bread shop. That was my... Literally... And it's a big chain store. I'm like, I believe it, whatever. And I'm not... I just want, like, wham, bam. And I'll pay, and, you know, Vez is like, go to this guy, he's way much better. But it's over in the ghetto. Up down in the fucking ghetto. Like, there's no coffee shops, there's no nothing. What am I gonna do? There's no room to park. It looks like one of these shops that's just a, a junkyard that happens to be a shop at the same time. It's bad feng shui. I couldn't deal with it. So I go to Midas. <laughs> Get the things done. Rotors, as it turns out. I said brake job. They just did the rotors and didn't do the calipers, as it turns out. Caliper blows up a month later, two months later, or something. It's like, it overheats. I'm like, oh, they're calipers. So it's another 600 bucks new calipers. That was in May. A month later, the left rear one blows up again, and I like took it. It was under warranty, so there's a one-year warranty on the work, yeah. which is nice. So I go back again. I'm like, hey, this caliper blew up again. This is like the third time, and they're like, oh, we'll replace it again. So this was June, and then all summer since June, uh, this is now September third or whatever. It was like it'd get hot. Like I drive the Merc, and it's hot, 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 like steaming hot when I'm in a two-mile drive because something's sticking, and I. It's, guessing it was like oh maybe it's the wheel bearing the wheel bearing would like go and just progressively get worse it's not sticking it's just gonna like keep binding and then be done because i've had the wheel bearings go out on the front ends right like you oh, know, yeah. what happens yeah. it's like whoa, 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 and it just gets worse in like within a day kind of thing anyway so i go to town to do a bunch of runaround bullshit today and then right at bird creek i get out and i smell hot wheel I'm like oh i can smell it that's bad and i go it's so hot now like i can't even touch it because i'd always touch it 
I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm just too blazy to go fucking back to Midas. So then I'm like, that's hot. I'm like, oh, whatever. It's been doing it all summer. It's fine. And then go all the way through Anchorage, and then drop kids off. And then, and then my brother actually, so backtrack, my brother yesterday broke down on the highway. His wheel bearing blew up on his trailer, towing a boat, boom. Or oh, they had to do a react. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, they had to do an axle rebuild this morning at Bird Creek. Really? Yeah, like the Bird Creek, uh, whatever, gas station. And then the week before, my dad's axle blew up on the truck. So they had both done it. I'm sitting there talking to my dad about it, what happened, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I go to leave, and as I'm leaving, I can see my left wheel, I can see the wheel from the inside, and I can see there's like a splatter of grease. I'm like, ooh, that's new. And I go get that, and I go look, and I put my finger, and I'm like, ooh, is this brake fluid, or there's got to be a blown seal, it's got to be something. Yeah. And I, I'm like, fuck it, I'm going home to Gerdo, and I'm out of here. I'm sick of it, you know, I'm just like leaving. <laughs> and I like pull out around the block, you know, out towards Diamond. And I'm like halfway, I'm like, mm, bad idea, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> You're already in town, you know what needs fixed. Like, I had to do this full, like, mental, like, my brain wanted to just boogie out and cross my fingers. And I was like, don't do it. So I juked right back in, and I was like, quick, I need to, we need to do this right now. And it made sense, it was perfect timing. So I, they met me over there, I had to do the truck swap, and, went, and I'm trying to get it all under goddamn warranty. Now I'll get the wheel bearing under warranty, because of fucking caliper. Fucked it up. That's the plan. So anyway, that's what the truck's about. <laughs> Such a weird, ironic Ford brake story. Um, I have a Ford F-150 pickup. It, it's currently having brake issues. My dad has a Ford F-250 pickup. It's like a 2008. Mine's a 2005. Yeah, that white one. Yeah, I've been fucking... I've had that thing to town twice the past couple weeks to deal with the brakes on it and then what they come over doing? here uh he, you know ultimately if you the brake design on the fords is that it's a uh, it's a it's a one-sided the pistons only squeeze in from one side of the caliper uh-huh. we're like we're used we know mountain bikes and fucking motorcycles and shit and the pistons come in from both sides of oh the gotcha and squeeze in on the disc oh, really? so this one only comes in from one side oh, i didn't know that and so you can see the disc yeah and so how it compensates for having 100 percent of the pressure on one side of the rotor is it's a floating caliper it floats on a bushing up here so as it pushes in from one side it slides over on the bushing to equal the pressure 50 50 on each side when the grease dries up in that bushing, it pushes all of the caliper force into one side of the rotor, and it just eats the rotors alive. And yeah. like here, where they put salt on the highways and shit, like those things just get blasted. And because I got all new rotors, and that left rear one that's having troubles, you can put my finger in on it, and I can feel there's a groove. Yeah. Or there's a ridge where it's been worn down from just getting pushed yeah, on. Yeah, and now you look and check the back side of it, and if it, if, it, uh, if there's nothing on that side, then you know it's that bushing. Yeah. It's smooth on the back side. It's yeah, that was just classic yeah. bullshit. You see the fucking concrete barriers they put on the highway? No. You drove in town today? or yes? no. I think they're brand new, like a day old. No. They're like right at Beluga Point, like one turn, there's a row of concrete barriers. And it instantly feels better. You're like, oh. Wow, that's Are you nice. Are getting Jersey barriers on yeah, the like Yeah, like Jersey barriers right down the center line. Really? Yeah, so it's kind of like, like, wow, they need to put them everywhere. 
The unions, I don't know why they don't. Like, there's probably a reason. Snow. I think it would ra- it would be the DOT themselves that has to do with clearing snow and dealing with, with that stuff. But as far as the safety concern is, like... It seems like you just plow right along it and it would be like yeah. some... I could see that being weird if you're plowing down it and there's like a bunk up of shit piled on it. You know, it wants to tip into the road all the time. You know, a pile of snow this big on the top of the barrier falls over, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a civil engineer. I don't do yeah. road design. But no, it was nice. It was like, oh. Because it's just so funny because it's coming because you know it's how fucking, it's cold out there today. Oh, yeah. It was like September. It's like this early. It feels like October temps, potentially, you know. But yeah, the cold's coming. You know, you're driving the highway and like, also, you're like, this is ice? Is this ice? You know, and you're like, then all winter it's ice, but then you're like, is it ice or not ice? You know? <laughs> that's a yeah, game. that's like, that's, that was a, so, that was, that took me down. Ice or not like, ice? Ice or not ice. Yeah. When I was in high school, you know. Oh, is yeah. Is it ice or is it not ice? You crashed? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, you maybe vaguely... You get your license, and then, uh, and then, and then the highway between Girdwood and Anchorage is relatively uh, dangerous per se. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the old highway, we had to go up over the hill. Yeah. And so I remember I like bailed out early for school one morning, like, and uh, I probably wasn't even going to school. I was probably going to my girlfriend's house or, you know, doing something I probably shouldn't have been doing before school, and so I get out of Girdwood to go up over the atrocious hill, like, and... Yeah, that's crazy. We should drive that. Yeah, the, the, the freaking whole way. I'm, like, behind this jerk that's going, like, 30 miles an hour, and I probably, like, want to get to town, but to, I don't know, you know, whatever, and so as soon as we hit the flats, I go to make a pass, and I, like, lose the ass on oh my, my pickup, and I clip the Subaru, and, like, we're just, like, both spinning oh out. Oh, my God. And end up in the ditch. Is that that little gold ranger? Yeah. Well, it's so funny because right there, what was it, two years ago, I was driving town in my truck, and it was like where it was snowing, it was cold and snowy enough to where everyone was driving in the right lane, but the snow was piled up in the passing lane, but no one was driving in the passing yeah. lane, just because it's enough to like, oh, don't even do it. And I stayed with them, stayed with them all the way to Bird Point, and we're doing 40, 45, I'm like, oh, this is killing me. Like, it was, it was cold, <laughs> you could tell, like, it was cold snow, so you'd be kind of grippy, so then... I went for the first pass, ready to come around Bird Point, and I'm the total asshole now who's like passing with this much pow, and it's like blowing up behind you, right? Like the dust cloud. And everyone's like, fuck this guy, as I'm passing, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna make a clean getaway, I'm gonna get in the lane, I'll be able to boogie out, you know, yeah. kind of pin it across the flats, get some distance, <laughs> and then I'll be gone, and we'll forget about it. <laughs> but as I go to like pin it in the distance, literally we hit a warm line, it got warm. Yeah. So it went from sticky ice to, like, not sticky ice. And as I'm, like, oh, trying to pull away, you know, the diesel's got power, and it wants yeah. to kick out the back end. <laughs> and it's, ooh, and it's a full, like, ooh, like, fishtail. I was, like, oh, got it back. Oh, no, like, that's super icy. And they're right behind me now. The whole train of people who hates me is right behind me. You're just waiting. You're just, like, yeah, waiting, so I'm the ass waiting for you to crash. <laughs> yeah, like, so I'm the ass who passes and dusts them <laughs> out, then spins out hard enough to where I know what they saw. And a couple of them saw it, or the guy right there, at least. I'm, like, ooh, that's slippery. So I'm like, easing away, trying to ease away. It's like, oh, now I just got to get away from it. Like, ease it away, but it, oh, slippery, oh, slippery. And then it just got worse, progressively worse, to where it was just, like, wet, fucking bad ice all the way to town. And they followed me. They were, like, 20 seconds behind me at O'Malley, the one guy. I just felt like a dickhead. <laughs> 
Yeah, the new section of highway, like, I think it opened when we were in high school. I think I vaguely remember just, like, going to town one morning, and we, like, went to school. They were working up, on up, it, at least. Up over the hill, and then, yeah. like, one day that we came home oh. on the bus, and it was like, oh, this was trippy. I remember that. I remember being down there when me and Abe scootered to Girdwood. Like, we'd go, because we also found out that road service down there for, like, that year, it was just a road yeah, service. And, like, we were biking out there and stuff, and when we had scootered, we didn't want to go over the old road, so we, like, drug the scooters across the muddy ditch, and then climbed up on the road, and that's when Abe had a cast on. I was actually asking about that. And he's walking through the mud with his cast on, hauling a scooter. Anyway, I think the cast fell apart there a couple days later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got some, I did type a bunch of Abe stories I'll read at some point. It'll be funny to read them all to you, like, get your reaction. Oh, man, like, it was, that's so funny, like, he is, like, I guess it really is true, you can live a, a life of, of many experiences and die early and still have a very full life, you know? Uh, I was thinking, well, that was, like, the first week I got driver's license. You were in the car, it was just me and Abe, and then we got pulled over. I pulled over for speed. No, I got pulled over because there was, like, the two girls that were missing. Or there was, like, runaway girls. I remember we got pulled over in your suburban. You might have been in the car. And it was, oh, you were in the car. You and me, and then, like, there was, like, Katie and Amy Seifert and Abe, and we got when they pulled thought over was a girl? like, McHugh Creek. Yes. And, like, they were, like, checked all of our IDs. And, and they're like, are you like, a boy or a girl? <laughs> he was like, I'm a boy. Which, at the time, you're just, like, this is fucking ridiculous, you know, you're 16 years old, but now looking back at it, like, I was in the liquor store today, and there was some chick in there, I was just like, yeah, of course, we all have masks on, so I was just like, this, she looks like she's 12, you know? Like, yeah, we look like a car full yeah, of, like, 12-year-olds, like, like basically. Like year old. And Abe was, like, probably this big, and they're like, are you a boy or girl? He's like, I'm a boy. He <laughs> looked, like, crazy. That was so funny. Or when we drove, I remember driving to town in Amy's car for some reason, she was driving over the old road in auto drive with sitting cross-legged in the driver's seat. I can remember looking over and I'm like, sitting cross-legged? Like, you're like, oh, Chris can show cross-legged. You're like, that's <laughs> yeah. sweet. Oh, the highway of death. He shouldn't do that. Or then one time, I was driving with Todd in my Subaru. Todd's on the list. For, I got an endless list of fucking podcast people. But he was in the car asleep in this, my Subaru. And the Subarus are funny because they're not real-world back-wheel drive. So they're really hard to get the ass in the kick out. Yeah. And I remember his bird point, same old thing, and he was dead asleep. It was like daytime. I don't know why he was sleeping. He was tired, I guess. We were teenagers. And did a full power drift. And I did the full double counter steer. Like, oh, God. And then brought it back. And I look at Todd. He's still asleep. And like, like oh, my God. Like, don't even stop. It was right where, remember how the road went into that, uh, what is it, a tunnel? Or like, not a tunnel, a valley. Right there as you're coming south. Right at Bird Point, you know, there's that old oh, chunk yeah. through the yeah. rocks. Or the, like, it's the entryway to the parking lot now. Yeah. Like, that used to be the thing. Yeah, well, and then you're, like, climbing up the hill. And, you know, yeah, dude, that's, like, where I got in my accident. It's right on the other side of it. Oh, yeah. I think that that's what gets people on the sewer to highway, is, like, those little temperature changes when it's like, oh, it's all, it's all good, you know? And then yeah. it's just like, well, you come around the corner, and it's like, oh, the Bird Creek Bridge, well, it's all slick. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the number oh. one function on my truck that I love that's dead for some reason is the temperature gauge up here. Yeah. It tells you the temperature. And I loved it. 
and it went out after a couple of years and stopped working. I was like, well, it's a fuse. It's a simple thing. But apparently it's not. It's the whole fucking unit. I'm like, it's got to be just a fuse, like, for this just to not be working. It probably is. It's years, years later. It probably is. I, at some point, thought it was. Because I looked it up, like, fucking YouTube. I was like, how do I do this? And they're like, oh, no, you got to take it in. It's that whole upper console needs to be replaced. I'm like, that seems like the stupidest thing ever. But it was the most handy function. Because you're like, oh, it's 37. I'm like, I'm assuming it's slick. Or, But then that's the thing. It can be 37 for the last 10 minutes. And it's still ice that's now wet. Versus it's 37 pouring rain. You know, is this, yeah. dry, is this wet pavement? And eyeballing what? And well, then you go to Hawaii, and then it's like dry to wet. Like the, like the level of badness or whatever. You're like, wet pavement, oh, this could be slippery. But there it is, because the fucking tropical mildew and shit. You know, the, the concrete does get a little... A little, a little slimy. Yeah. A little slime on it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, like, dead... There's, like, crosses all over the place on those roads. Like, you're like, oh, someone died here, someone died here. And there's one night I remember driving in our little car. And we had a friend, <coughs> Pando. I don't know if you met Pando. Oh, yeah. He was there visiting with Shane and them. And he was in the very back. And I was driving. And I wasn't speeding. But it's a little zippy car. It's fun to drive fast, but we were heavy. We had this extra 250 pound dude in the back, and I remember a couple times I'm like coming to the corner, and like, and I drew it, and I knew the road, and I remember the one I was, in, you know, there's me, wife, two kids, and the dude in the very back, and I remember one corner I was like, ooh, that feels a little, oh, like just like, eh, I see how you could like lose it, and I was like, oh, slow it down, like that'd be so shitty to like, so quick it happens. Oh yeah, one time on that road, talking about another highway of death, because that highway South Dakota is like gnarly. Oh, yeah, I never told terrible. you about this. What was it? We were driving south, and here's how it worked. Here's the problem with it. I don't know if you call it enough to... It's really twisty, 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 like... And then it hits these straightaways, like on the south end of the island. There's, like, long... Ten-mile-long straight... Not ten, five-mile-long straightaways. Anyway, we were coming south through the twisties, and right before we hit the straightaway, there's a dude in a rental Mustang uh, (laughs) coming the other direction, and all I see... Is him coming out of a fishtail on the outside of the shoulder, and I'm over here in my lane. He's on the outside of his shoulder fishtailing, and I'm like, oh, he's going to fishtail this way now. Fishtail, like this, and he's like literally doing a ding, 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 sideways fishtail, like this far in front of me. I'm like, here it comes, like fishtail into my face, and he just like hooked up, and then like recovered. And like my only move was going to be, I like... It was a half second. I was going to be like, oh, let's hope we can, like, duck under. Because his ass end was going to, like, come up. You could see his ass end was, like, coming up. Because the rear, rear power, he basically just does, he was hauling ass across the flats. Yeah. Came into the first turns and was like, oh, shit, I'm going too fast. And we were right there. Like, dude, Mustang, like, cooked up. But that was going to be my move. I was going to try to squeeze on the shoulder underneath it. I saw that. I was like, there's the line. This could be it. But I was going to duck, too, because I knew it was going to, like, take off through the top of the cab <laughs> but it didn't so that was good no one saw it except me Vincent was like looking at the thing and no one saw it the whole thing was like blah 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 and I was just like you guys <sighs> like it was a close one anyway I'm ranting it's such a crazy concept you know like uh, how close you can get yeah well you know yeah like, I mean what do we got here Oh, you got your whole notebook. I'm gonna get another beer. It's greedy trying to call me. Greedy? Yeah. See, he... Oh yeah, you told me he was up to... He's in town then? Downtown still? 
He's just being greedy. He's just like you know, relatively just a uh, just a. So we can tag him now. Be like, greedy shout out. Yeah. Shout outs. <laughs> Gerd with shout outs. What did my notes say? Well, I was thinking action sports versus endurance versus team. YouTube technology focus on. Well, they have focus versus all trades. Uh, here's a good place to start, Jake. What? Um. So. I've known you since high school, mm -hmm. and um, that was probably, what, 95 or 90, probably 96, mm -hmm. and uh, I met you, because Pause you... one second. You know who I just friended on Strava is John Clark, JC, anyway, go on. Oh, wow. He's killing it still. He biked 120 miles the other day. It's he bikes like 500 miles a week. Surprise me. I wonder if he still drinks Diet Coke <laughs> and pounds fucking... Whoppers, like. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna give a name, like Pounds Who. I'm like, anyway, go on, go on. <laughs> I'm not that. <laughs> but that guy would like eat. He drink diet cokes and eat like whoppers. Really? Oh yeah, he had a he. I mean, I don't want to hate on the guy and say he had a horrible diet, but like that was kind of reassuring in high school because he was a hard ass man. Like, like I just remember being in high school and our cross country and track coach uh -huh. being at at meets and other coaches would be like, yeah, man, like you run for that John Clark guy, like you know, yeah, sorry, like wish he, you had a little fun or whatever. Oh, and was you're he like, a hard ass? I didn't really realize he was, was. He was a college level coach that coached high school athletics you uh -huh. know? Uh -huh. and and I think like if you if either one of us had any gave two shits about like going and like running or doing whatever we were doing at the collegiate level he would have been a good coach to have yes uh -huh. uh, there wasn't a lot of fucking around on his watch for sure like uh -huh. he, he like kind of clipped all that nonsense we didn't have a lot of like you know we didn't we didn't play a lot of soccer on Wednesdays or anything. <laughs> like, it was just, like, you know, intervals yeah. and, like, running into the ground kind of shit, right? And I thought really that realized. was normal. Yeah, I know. I was just saying I never really realized because I was thinking back to, like, my baseball coach was the same way. Like, hardcore. He ruined baseball for me, actually, because he was, like, fucking too hardcore. Anyway, sorry I detracted you. You were saying high school. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, yeah, no, that's, how, that's where we met, which in this town, like, out of all the people, I mean, I know there's a few kids that around here that I grew up with longer than you, obviously, that still live. Going to with. Brooks Whitney's kid's birthday party tomorrow. Yeah, like Wit. <laughs> there's a few other ones poking around still. Uh, but uh, but you and Tori Dugan had a wilderness rec class. We had some fucking class together. <laughs> yeah. And I was, and I just remember being in high school and I was like, I'm like, I'm in fucking math class and you guys are mountain biking? Like, <laughs> I just was like so blown away and so pissed. I was so fucking mad. <laughs> like, and like, Tori's gonna be like, yeah, you know, there's this kid there. And it's like, he's actually like a pretty good athlete. And then, uh -huh. and then, you know, like I met you and then like, I, I think, I just, I always for, will never forget that like where, where my real first impressions of you was was skiing with you on Elieska uh -huh. and how dumb you were as a teenager 
skiing on the hill <laughs> and you would just like huck your body off of anything like really and and like do 360s and land in the flat and your skis would like explode off you fun. were just like you were just like yeah put your shit on we were like this kid is, <laughs> is oh. ridiculous like <laughs> i remember the first day i ever skied with you it was uh -huh. like was it night skiing? I've never skiing with Abe. Well, thinking, I've ever seen Abe ski for the first time. We were in style hung. It was yeah. night skiing. It was like, these used to be big mobile bumps. Yeah. And I remember he was like cruising, like GS turning through all the moguls, like ignoring the mogul line, right? And I remember it like struck me. Then I realized how he copied his brother, Gabe, kind of had the same style. It was the first time he was on his little uh, Dina Star G9s, maybe? Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So funny, you know. Yeah, I always tell people how I infiltrated like the Girdwood Posse. I was the only Anchorage person to like infiltrate you guys as you'd gone to Diamond. There was a few, I guess, but I mean, I mean there, know, there was, was different Girdwood Posse's. It wasn't that we were infiltrated. We were just a bunch of kids that grew up in Girdwood that yeah. were like. Some of us were more scared than others to go to high school, and. Yeah, like like you go to a little tiny school and you're a K through eight. By the time you're like. 14 years old, you're still in a school, you're going to school with fucking children yeah. in this town, like, that's really, true. it's, it's like, kind of weird, and then, and then you're, there's children in your school, and then the next year, you're in high school, yeah. you get on the bus, you go to school, and it's once again, you're the small fish, and, like, at Diamond, we, there was, like, what, 22, 2300 kids that yeah. went to that school at the time? And so, you know, like, all you kids that went to Mirrors and, you know, came up through the Anchorage school system, like, it was no thing to you. Like, oh, yeah, whatever. Was a mirrors was a shock. I hated Mirrors. Yeah. Because, like, my same thing. I was in a little school and, uh, from kindergarten to sixth, so I knew everyone within the school. And then I, even within the school, I was in, like, one of these alternative learning things where, like, basically it was the first and second, third and fourth, fifth and sixth grade classes were all side by side. Yeah. And they were open. In the, it was called Open open something potential learn something but then the three teachers and there's only three teachers so it was all a comprehensive thing and it wasn't even a real school thing in that right i would read so many fu i would just read my parents kind of would be like is you get any education here i would go to school some days and the teachers would be like yeah you guys can just read all day like, i would just fucking read or we'd like play checkers or then do whatever and it was awesome in retrospect but then i went to mirrors it was like prison. I felt like it was like Mirrors is like a prison. It is. It's a shape like a big prison. It's, like, it's just totally like, I, every time I went in that school, I was like, oh my god. This and the security lady's name was Miss Hobson. <laughs> and there was like, I remember just the feeling of like, lockdown. I was like, childhood's over. This is lockdown. This is crazy. And I, I think they have to do that. I think it's part of the fucking system. It's yeah. a way to like get you kids going. And then Diamond was way less of a transition like you said but yeah from your point that's interesting like i remember yeah mirrors was fucking horrible. well i mean for me that was like a lot of the the motivation to like <clears throat> ah shit maybe i should do a sport or something you know because like sports started a month earlier than school so at least you like kind of knew a couple people before yeah. you you know went in there it was like i don't know you know it's fucking yeah it's just like this weird thing. You're like, okay, there's 17 of us that are set loose. It's like, you're like, you feel like you're like a minnow in a bass pond. Like somebody's just gonna swallow you whole. You're yeah. Like, <laughs> well, then I see you guys, and you guys. I was obsessed with Girdwood since I was age seven, though. Age seven, I was like Girdwood. 
magical fucking place. Because I remember going to... Is that you was here the other day? We were talking about the name of the... Oh, the shot I was talking to. But remember where the bake shop is? Down, where Jack Spratt is, there was a little Edelweiss. It was like a little... Yeah, it, was, it used to be a, a bakery German, German yeah. thing. Yeah. But I remember I was like eight or nine with my buddy, and we got dropped off. You know, thinking back as well, like getting dropped off by your parents from Anchorage, like, like that's all I would do is like coordinate with my friends. Like, all right, my mom will drive us down if your mom picks us up. And then all week do chores to do enough money to get the lift ticket, which was like 12 bucks or 15 bucks. And, but I remember we went to that Edelweiss, and it was all snowing and Gerber, because you know what Gerber was all rainforesty. Yeah. Coming from Anchorage, and it smells different, and I remember it just stuck with me in the bake shop. I was like, this place is magical. So then in high school, you know, ten years later, then I was like, you guys live there? You guys have season passes? Actually, you're the first person I've met who had a season pass. I was like, a season pass? Like, I didn't even <laughs> comprehend that even existed, that you could, like, go skiing every day. And you guys were like, oh, yeah, we go after school or whatever. Or one day, I remember, you're talking about being mad I was in a bike path, bike class or whatever. I remember the day... It was the, the avalanche. You guys had an avalanche and couldn't get to school. Oh, yeah, you were and everyone went skiing. We're stuck on this side. It's like, oh, my. Well, no, no. It was when we were in high school and you guys were stuck on this side. You all went yeah. skiing and I was still in school. Yeah. I was like, motherfuckers. Like, or, yeah, then years later when I was stuck during the goddamn Stumpy Storm. It was horrible. That was the worst. <laughs> that was just a clusterfuck. There was nothing to enjoy in that. <laughs> I remember literally being on the phone with like Ryan. I'm like, what are you guys doing? What's happening? And he's like yelling at someone I hear, and then I hear like gunshots and snow machines and yelling and click. I'm like, oh my god, they're having so much fun. And I'm like sitting with Katie at the my parents' house. We ended up getting a hotel, which wasn't yeah. as cool as you would think. You like yelling? Sounds like kids. Like bear. Dying kids. The sun went down. This is the dying days of summer. It's not even summer anymore. No, it's like the past week, it's just like, we had that rainstorm, and now it's like, oh, now it's cold. Okay. You're like, all right, it's off. It's over. I pulled out my warm hoodie, you know, because your summer attire changes. And you have all these warm clothes. You're like, oh, there's my warm hoodie. Oh, there's my warm hat. You're like, oh, yay. And you, like, change your uniform. You finally put your, your stocking cap on for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I've been wearing a buff. I got hooked on the buff, actually. The buff is a hat. Yeah. It's like my favorite. And hoodies. I swear, like, I had a thing against hoods, I think, until about age, like, 30. I don't know why. I don't know. It's insane. You had something against hoods? Yeah, like, I think it came from mirrors, actually. I think, like, I remember, like, seeing kids with hoodies, and they always <laughs> look like, you know, slack-jawed skaters, because they're also wearing the pants down here, and, and I seriously never had a hooded jacket fucking ever and then never wore a hoodie a cotton hoodie is like the best thing ever now I always wear it yeah, yeah. definitely for I mean in a place where we have the bugs like we do and you want to just yeah. keep the mosquitoes off like having where all you have to worry about is this in your hands like that's pretty classic yeah it's amazing how many times like even now I'm like oh I can put my hoodie on and it's like this little safety thing yeah. but I'm wearing a collared shirt tucked into this fucking Weird shirt. You're just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I didn't lose a merc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, oh, that's why the masks are kind of nice. <laughs> the mask. The sunglasses. Short sunglasses. Man, I was at the... I went to Sharefy the other day. I had a $100 gift certificate. I did some work and I got this gift certificate. So I'm like, ah, oh, shit. 
and had it forever, and then we can go dine in again. So I was like, all right, you know, there's probably nobody down there. Oh, you can go inside now. Yeah, you can go inside. So I have this $100 gift certificate. Uh, Haley and I, we go down, sit down, and we're, like, eating. And uh, this kid goes by and, like, goes to the shitters, and, and he, like, totally, like, eyes me down. He's got this mask on, you know, and he, like goes into the bathroom and like I didn't really think anything of it I'm like oh you have a mask on well I didn't I'm eating like (laughs) (laughs) but so like and then he comes out and walks by me and he stops at the table and he goes like hey man like were you on this uh this like Polaris snowmobile shoot and like in in Wyoming in December like Uh and I was like kind of like I was like, I felt kind of rude because at first I just, even like, I just was like not expecting to, uh-huh. and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I was there. And so the guy's like, right on. And then I'm like, and then I'm looking at him and I like, I wanted. He's got a mask on still. Exactly. But he I wanted to, re- I have no mask on and yeah. the guy can clearly recognize me. Yeah. And he's like, calls me out and like, I so like just want to recognize the guy so yeah. I can like, and it was yeah. so weird that I couldn't like be personable with this guy because I couldn't recog- I couldn't yeah. see his face, you yeah. know, and it like it almost turned into this awkward interaction because he was like recognized me, uh-huh. was enthusiastic to see me, yeah. and just because I couldn't see his face, like yeah. I like ended up feeling like I gave him this awkward interaction. Yeah. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. Maybe I was yeah. stoned. Maybe I had like a couple beers. I don't know what the problem was, but I was uh-huh. just like. So you call me out like you know me, and then he you took his mask and then, like, no, he never took his mask off. Did he say off. who he was? No, he, he <laughs> never said who he was. So I just left him the situation. Like I'm like, yeah, I was there, and he's like, right on, man. And then I was like, oh, what are you doing in Girdwood? And like we have this little conversation, awkward. but then it's just like the mask never came off, and I was like, funny, huh? Well, the opposite of that is having a beard and meeting people with a beard, and then shaving. And seen, I had it hardcore. Actually, the worst ever was when I had gone off to Smithers. I had a beard. I let it go to like wherever. But I'd met everyone with a beard in an entire town. <laughs> and then I shaved it like six months later. And literally, I remember walking up everywhere I went. I had to be like, oh, hi, I'm Jake. And they're like, whoa, because no one recognized me. It looks so different. And the, the feeling like a ghost. Going, literally going by on someone on the side of the street. And they look, and I'm like, I'm like oh, they don't even recognize me at all. Like, it was kind of liberating. It was interesting, and you know, it's an experiment I can do growing a beard here and there, but how often am I meeting new people and doing that? Yeah. But what did I watch the other day? Oh, it was some guy, it was some dad, it was a random video, it was a dad talking about his kid playing football, and uh, they played a football game in Texas or wherever, and they're without masks, and for an hour and a half they're biting and sweating over and spitting on each other, you know, football, like getting in each other's faces, and at the very end of the game, they weren't allowed to handshake. You know, the two teams go by and handshake. They weren't allowed to because of COVID, which is kind of funny. And the other one I heard about, you heard about this, this is epically odd, is uh, California's doing it, and I guess New North Carolina's doing it, but they have, schools are shut down, but they're reopening education centers, and they're charging people like 150 bucks a week at the same schools. So they're like, school shut down, COVID's a problem. And then they're like, Oh, but you can go to the re-education center. Oh yeah, and like pay 150 bucks a month. You a week. knew that was gonna happen. I mean, I 
That's like, insane. I'd even notice that in our little community. As soon as kids have to go back to school, and people need to go back to work, like, there's talk of, like, oh, maybe all of our kids go over to this person's house and, like, you know... Well, yeah. Like, do all their schooling over there, and one parent watches, like, six kids. Uh-huh. But, like, I mean, you know... It's well, like, it's, like, inevitable. Like, it's why? totally inevitable, and it's, like, how... It is happening. I already know it is, just by hearing about it. It totally absolutely is, but then it's, like, you know... But then it makes you wonder... I mean, that was my theory, like, the whole defund the police thing, which would turn into, like, privatized police. You know, they'd be like, oh, don't def- we're not, we don't have the police, but, like, oh, but we'll hire this really special police force, and it's going to cost them so much money. I mean, that's how it happened yet. It's hard to say where we're going. I listened to an interesting video yesterday. It was this guy, Dave Rubin. He's a, he has a whatever YouTube talk show thing, and he got off the grid for a month. I guess every year he goes off grid for a month and just doesn't do any, doesn't pay attention to anything, like unplugs. And then he, his first show was yesterday and this other guy was interviewing him and he, uh, and it was just really fascinating to listen to a one-month summary as spit to the other guy and they're both, you know, on the conservative end of things and it was just fascinating to hear everything that's happening. You're like, that happened, that was, you know, it goes through both the conventions and then the Kenosha thing and you're like, oh my God, and then, just the general when you hear the general insanity packed into like a short time you're like it's just it's insane it's our new normal keeps like escalating oh yeah like people's you know the the access to information and then the the the, the demand for it like people want information yeah so or we're addicted to it like I'm addicted to it yeah I mean I can remember that so like I mean I don't know what's a good example like uh Okay, so yeah, the '94 uh, Lily Hammer Olympics. Mm-hmm. So fucking, uh, you know, local ski hero Tommy Mo, he wins gold at the '94 Lily Hammer Olympics. Uh-huh. Now, to get the most current updated information on the Lily Hammer '94 Olympics. You had to fucking call this 1-800 number, uh-huh. dial like 19462, and then you could hear like what the results to the downhill was. You did that or you knew it? But you knew yeah, this no, at the time? We did. Oh, yeah. We did. Like we knew this at the time, but, you know, that you could hear this shit and like because everybody wanted to know, you know, yeah. the local kids in the Olympics and then people were dialing this number. And because you didn't want to wait to the next day to, or till the news or so, then slowly the people would find out. Yeah, by a phone call. Yeah, you. So now, like, you know what? What does that do to COVID when people don't get information till twenty four hours or forty eight hours delayed? Mm-hmm. Like we get, you know, any any fucking article we read anymore is like posted an hour ago, posted yeah. two hours ago, six yeah. hours ago, forty eight minutes ago. Uh-huh. I mean, like, that delay of information, like, there's a, there's an upside and a downside to it, right? There's a filter there, like, mm-hmm. like, you get pissed at somebody, you give yourself 48 hours, how do you feel about that 48 hours later? Mm-hmm. And, or how do you feel about that, the absolute minute that it happened, and the yeah. information is not complete, and you're included at that point, you know? Yeah, you're getting, like, 
Because they're all trying to stay ahead of each you other. You look at the fucking news, and it's just like this convoluted, like, to keep you watching until they actually get the facts, which they never do. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. You know, we just wait and see. You know, like we don't know. Say, and sources happens, say, you know, you know, it's like, it's a bunch of bullshit. And then it's like, and then what? Like, one fact pops up, like, 45 minutes later. They're just, like, yeah. trying to keep, keep you watching. Yeah. Or then how everything's, like so fragmented from like different which is kind of handy I guess if you know if you know the source you know if you know the source is left wing versus right wing or whatever and I try to know those things and try to give them credence credible credibility knowing that's the biggest thing when you know like you know Fox is coming from the right and I think that's the difference is you know it is and I know it is but I know the left is coming from the left where I think a lot of people don't realize that the other stuff's coming from there's a, a anti you know whatever so how do you like I mean, this is this is my amusement, right? Like, you you go and I will, if I'm gonna click and watch and and look at a ticker from CNN, uh-huh. if I click on CNN.com and look at all their shit, uh-huh. which like I do frequently, I look at CNN, uh-huh. even though it's garbage and it's all this uh-huh. like you know it's all this like this all agenda bullshit, but if it's it's always fun to look at and then. You go click on Fox News like uh-huh. immediately after, and it's like, uh-huh. you know, you just if you yeah, look yeah. at the two, do you do you get to the middle by doing that, or I mean, do you just consume like masses amounts of bullshit on uh-huh. both sides, and you never figure out oh, what yeah, goes on? Like how you know where are you getting if you want to yeah. see both sides? Do you get to the middle, or is the middle just the fucking donut? <laughs> Like, you know, yeah. it's just this hole. It's a black hole. Like. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was getting into with Andy a bit. I was just, like, going on, you know, people have become more polarized, obviously, and talking about Trump, whether he's good or bad, even if he's doing the greatest policies ever. Like, even if I could be like, he's actually really great, he's still extremely divisive. He still has divided America. Like, everyone's fucking hates him. Like, half the people hate him, half the people love him, or they... Or they just don't hate him. And that's where I kind of fit in. I kind of just don't hate him so I can be critical of the people who do just mindlessly hate him. Because he does do good stuff, but he has hateable qualities, right? I'm kind of in the... I th- and I think I'm kind of in the middle, like, personally. But these people, you know, I fucking... And that's part of why I started a podcast. It actually, well, it's the reason. Instead of just arguing with people on Facebook, like... And you wait a day, you know, right? You can, like, the texting... You're losing so much nuance and meaning and whatever and this part of us fall into the fucking internet in the first place it's taken away in covid there's no personal conversations right so i'm trying to force personal conversations for my own sanity and your sanity too maybe yeah maybe <laughs> my sanity too absolutely i gotta check this i gotta pee actually yeah it's great for the ultimate good, like, people are polarizing into these things, 
and bringing up all these bad issues, you know, as a group of people, Americans or whatever, and then they got to work through the issues in order to, like, move on, which I agree with. Like, there's obviously some deep-seated issues. You can't, you can't not say, you know, I guess, like, there's racism, this, this, this. The inequalities don't exist, because obviously these people think it exists. Someone thinks it does. Yeah, you know, there's a... I, uh, you know, for me, it's like, it's a step back to the very basic people. Wow, Maybe. Bobo really whining, sorry. He's really, really whining. What's his problem? Is he just going to stop? Uh, well, now he knows we're in here for some reason. I hope I shouldn't bring him in here. That would be a problem. He'll stop. He's quiet <laughs> for a second and he stops. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> the dog. Sorry. Oh. Not me, I'm like... So, I think I think that there's a dream in this country that, like, uh, everybody wants to think that, like, the everyday man's going to save us from the politician. Which, the politician is kind of the lawyer. I mean, you have to understand the law to be a good politician. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that, like, that dream that there's an everyday man out there that's going to make that great politician that everybody like like you're going to vote him in because people always say like they're they're going to come in yeah they're going to work for them we're going to drain the swamp we're you know all of this political bullshit all of this like this game that these people play and we're going to cut through this and Mm -hmm. and the person that's going to do this is just going to be you know somebody that doesn't have any experience is going to be that everyday man Mm -hmm. And so when somebody like Donald Trump, who, who personally, like, has hundreds of millions of dollars worth of marketing dumped into him, his name, his Trump name, his television show, how, how much money, hundreds of millions of dollars, you gotta say, in, in marketing for his name before he even decides to run for president. And now you see other motherfuckers trying to do the same thing. I'm Kanye West. I was just to say, Kanye I'm gonna run West. for fucking president. I was seriously like, like it was on the tip of my tongue. Like, I was like, oh, Kanye West. Yeah, like you, you see where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah. Like now, if the American people are are like, if they want to like start taking to this game, where the next person that has had yay much money and marketing dumped into them that wants to play the I'm the everyday man mm-hmm. and I'm gonna step in as an idiot and solve all these problems, like. Mm-hmm. I, I think we have a dangerous road ahead of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and so, like, and like that's the scary thing about Donald Trump. Does Donald Trump represent that, or did Donald Trump get elected because a, a vote for Donald Trump was not a vote for Hillary? Mm-hmm. And, and in a way, like, maybe that was the case. Like, voting for Donald Trump was just not voting for Hillary. It's surprising. And I honestly didn't hate Hillary that much. I was like, eh, but a lot I of people do. I didn't realize that. A lot of people do. a lot do. of people, even yeah. I, if I get caught just not defending Trump, but by being like, hey, this story about Trump is actually not real. And that's what I find myself doing is like, I don't like Trump necessarily. He's a, whatever, he's a fucking asshole. But I'm like, well, this story's just not true. That's all I'm getting at. It's like, your story's not true. That's all. But then backtracking, they assume, you must have hated Obama. It's like, no, I thought Obama was great. He was a black dude, like, who got elected. Yay, racism's over. That's literally what I thought. Racism's over. Yay, black dude. Yay, everyone's happy. Because this was following immediately after the two, eight years of Bush. Remember fucking people spazzing on Bush for eight years straight? Bush is evil. Ah. You're like, oh my god, this is exhausting. Yeah, people would take Bush back 
people would buy a bush. Yeah. In a 12-pack. They hated Bush. Remember, the <laughs> no. hatred Bush was kind of like a level 7 or 8 in retrospect. Trump's yeah. the now a 10. Yeah. Where it used to be Bush was that, you know, everyone loved Obama, you know, and then Clinton was kind of before I was even paying attention. But, you know, Obama got in, I was like, yeah, great. And when Hillary was running, I was like, I could easily, you know, at the time I was like, you know, Trump's a loose cannon out here. That might be interesting. Bernie Sanders is a loose cannon. I had, like, equal interest in Bernie or both of them. Right? I was like, oh, these guys are both kind of loose cannons. They'll shake up the system, you know, thinking the system needs to be shaken up. And I honestly could go either way. And then Hillary, I was like, oh, a chick will get in. I shouldn't say a chick. You know, that's racist, apparently. It's not racist. <laughs> it's I like, know, I was like, happy. I would have been happy if Hillary got in because everyone would be like, yay! Like, maybe, maybe from an Alaska point of view where we're kind of like, I, I think that like us being a, a separatist state where mm -hmm. we physically are separatists that that maybe we have some state pride and, and like, you know, seeing some some politicians from Arkansas, you know, they end up in the White House and then they leave and then one of them now is like, oh, you know, let's, let's I want to get in the Senate and so, hey, maybe I'm going to run in New York. Like, and the same shit happens in this state. Like, we get people who run for fucking office and you're like, who is this guy? They're not from Alaska. They've been here for like, they're a resident. They've been here mm -hmm. for six months or 12 months. And, like, oh. do they win? It's a very big concern for the people in this state is how much a person understands the problems to it and mm -hmm. how long oh. they've lived here. And, and like, that was really some of the that. problem with Hillary Clinton is that she chose to come from one state and then run in another state. And it's like, you know, like, I think for people here where we're from, like, there's a big, like, I mean, you're playing a game there a little bit. Like, you got to mm -hmm. find a group of people and represent them. Yeah, which you is know? what you're supposed to do. Yeah, which what you're supposed to do. In Alaska, we are, and we forget we're off in the boonies. Yeah. Which, really. I mean, on the other side, like, how long ago was Donald Trump considered himself a Democrat? And now he's a Republican, too. So it's like, I mean, we all get a chance to change our minds in our lives, but but it becomes very confusing for the general public in, like, a very quick time when you don't stick with the people you choose to represent. Uh -huh. You know, when you abandon them and then you switch to the other team or you switch a state or you switch a whatever, like... like you know. You know, then that, and that's, the, that's what we live in now. It's like, you know, our parents used to grow up in a time when, like, you might work a job, like, the whole, you might work for one employer, you might live in one town your entire life, now we, like, now we move around, and now we might have multiple jobs in our life, and now we might have, you know, like, things are just accelerating, accelerating at a massive <laughs> rate, and so at what point do, does that, like, stop, I guess, right? Uh-huh. I think it's stop, I think it's, like, accelerating, I mean, well, that's where... I mean, back to what Andy was saying, everyone's polarized, and it's gonna, I don't know, and I was actually, well, I was thinking, you know, because you can think political level, and that's what the gist of our last, when I was talking to Andy, I had a list of, like, levels of logic I was thinking of, like, you know, you have emotional logic, rational logic, and then, like, spiritual logic, or which or expansive logic, which is kind of congruent with, like, conspiratorial logic, you know, conspiracy, you can start, you know, you kind of, seems like, there's a hierarchy of what you're thinking about, you know? Because you can be like, and that's what I was, my point was, my understanding was like, back to where we were talking about skiing, you know, we're so high, like, this was the center of the universe. Like, we're the center of the universe. 
so high all the time. Like, what were we doing? Just like, we're fucking young little kids just giving keys to the kingdom. Like, go up a mountain anywhere, children, and don't die. Like, our parents, like, we could do whatever, which is insane. In retrospect, to the average 16-year-old kid in America or the entire world, we were so high, just like, let's go hike back. Like, you sledding down Max's. I remember you said you had that red sled thing. I'm like, oh, Tom sledded down Max's. Or, like, I sledded down Trapline. You know, objectively, that's insane. But that was our daily activity after school. Anyway, is I'm, yeah, I was high, 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 and then when I ran off to Canada, it was like a descent into like duality, politics. I fell into politics, and I want to. It just happened, you know, catalyzed by meeting Vesna, you know, as as things go, and that's fine. But I remember literally, and there's pictures of me like when we're in Smithers. I remember feeling like a hollow depressed shell like it was a like bad time it was a full nervous breakdown but I had descended to like because like I had put so much into to talk about <laughs> being focused or not I'm like go ahead <laughs> <laughs> to get at you when I sent you that text the other day and there was all of those mini DV tapes oh yeah from like there's like those there's script like you know from our ski movies from scratch the surface back then but one tape in particular is the Frogger tape from uh-huh. the <laughs> and on the Frogger tape is essentially a whole day of Abe wandering around narrating. Yeah. And one of the things I remember that that he does is he talks to I know he talks to Vesna, but maybe both of you. Oh my god. And you guys were living at the Bishops in the this. trailer. And you're like packing your shit up and going to Canada because because oh because the bush or whatever, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it was like and it's on this tape and that's when I was like texting you I'm like dude do you have a mini DV camera? Oh my god and that is so horrible like and I watched like, and I like and I and I'm sure there's a ton of horrible shit on this tape <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but uh but yeah that was one of the things that I wanted to see was I was like oh, oh man just like. It's so funny that we, as kids, we were so wrapped up in our skiing, you know, and it's yeah. like we wanted to film our skiing and we wanted to be, we were so proud of that because that was like our form of expression and yeah. then you get to be like 40 years old and now I want to go back and look through these tapes to see my friends, you know, yeah. and like all the fun that they were having back then. I don't give a fuck about the skiing. I've seen the skiing a hundred times, but I want to see you, and I want to see Abe, and I want to see uh, all of my friends, like, and all the shit that we cut out of the yeah. movies that people watch. That's the shit I want to watch. Well, that's all the, the shit we cut part. out, you know? Well, it's so insane, is I, is I think YouTube now, or whatever, and you literally 20 years ago, and then would... I remember filming skiing and I wouldn't even touch the record button until they were going yeah you know like yeah. Mark said because you know the tape space was a limited commodity absolutely and you know, that was all about like four dollars or eight dollars yeah tape. either an hour <laughs> of tape or whatever or some over half hour or whatever so it was all about quality you know which was not very... only that but it took time to capture that tape right like yeah. he sat down and had to capture those fucking things it was like playing capture play now it's like push a button in out and I remember like even when it was like 2003 or four when the first chip technology was coming out. You hear about it, you're like, oh, that seems weird. Like, yeah, what could they really get? But it was really low yeah. resolution, low megabytes, whatever. And, you know, that was the beginning of the technology. But it's so funny just thinking back to now vlogging, whatever. It's like filming everything, like literally everything. And that's where I'm like, 
I don't, it's not really regret, but I'm like, wow, in retrospect, A, to what you had always said about webisodes becoming a thing, because you called them webisodes, now it's like fucking all of YouTube. Yeah, it's now it's, it's just, it's just, it's just posting on YouTube. It is what it is now, where at the time it was very like, what? You know, and you're like, no, don't film for an entire year to make one hour movie that had X amount of return, da 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 da, da. like, the model, the business model was like, changing. The business model, like, I think, like, yeah, there was some recognition of how things were changing that way early, but but it's still skiing, dude. Nobody gives a shit about skiing. Well, so my you second know? thought was, <laughs> that's literally, so like, yeah, my next thought was, like, this whole center of the universe was, like, Beesh, Gerd was the center of the universe, mountain, whatever, and then there's TGR and Matchstick, you know, think, and then Powder Magazine and Skiing Boy, think about, literally, that's the ski industry, and Warren Miller is named it all, basically. If you're not in Warren Miller, TGR and Matchstick, you know, that, that was it, which is a microcosm of, like, the world. And, like, and that's where, back to where I kind of started, was, like, I was so focused on, like, skiing on this microcosm thing and got good at it and did whatever, whatever. But then now, then I remember the realization that first summer in Smithers, like, kind of, like, meeting, hanging out with people in a town that was a regular town, not a ski town. To me, that was, like, Astounding. Not astounding, it was fucking lame. Like, I, I rolled with it, but it was annoying because, you know, I'm still walking around, like, amped up on, like, what's happening? Where are we gonna fucking shred the gnar? You know? And the people are like, yeah, I'm gonna work on sustainable living. I'm ups- I like wood stove. Wood- your wood stove's putting out too much smoke, or I'm gonna grow some potatoes this summer. I'm like, what? This is what you guys are talking about? Like, <laughs> and I couldn't even believe it. Like, and I had to, you know, but I like, I remember being like, you know, because I was already practicing half-assed mindfulness and like, okay, roll with it. Maybe you're going to learn something from this thing. And I remember for like a summer, I made it six or eight months, kind of like, eh, okay, yeah. And then I was like, man, and then we fucking moved to Whistler, fucking Agroville. But it just goes to what you said. Skiing's a very microcosm. It is a very microcosm. But, you know, it's still in this valley, it matters to a lot of people. It matters to a lot of kids. There's kids in this valley that skiing matters as much to as it did to us. When I know. We were, when we were I that forget age. that. I know, exactly. And, and unfortunately, for a state where all of the pro athletes come to showcase their skills and be, you know, a model for their fucking brands that sponsor them, mm-hmm. the kids that live here and rip, and honestly, like, a lot harder than a lot of the fucking people that are outside don't get the opportunities because they're not exposed to the ski reps, they're not exposed to the whole yeah. system. All the dudes and that did make it had to move out of state. Yeah, the kids that did actually get any type of name for themselves, which is mainly in the snowboarding industry, they all moved out of state. They all moved to Tahoe, they all moved to Utah. And, and you know, the short time I was in Utah, you immediately realize how quickly you start getting attention. Or, you know, you go ski at some other resort for a very short period of time and you meet people and all of a sudden like you know you're very inclusive to like all the ski reps and it's like you just have to hang out for a little bit longer and it's like Uh you know there's all the free shit but it's well that's kind of where I fucked up A. Smithers is nothing B. Whistler's Canada and I was a fucking arrogant Alaskan American there, which is the antithesis of what they liked no what what, ultimately what it is 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 I think is that there's no fucking there's no poor people left in the game as far as the skiing and snowboarding industry <laughs> yeah. is concerned. These are all like trustafarian kids that already have an income 
and so it's they're very easy to sponsor. Yeah. Because it's just like they're, they're already rich. And yeah, no they pressure. already have income, so it's like you sponsor them, and they're already like going and going to do all these things. Like, oh, that's interesting. you know, when you were twenty one years old to sponsor you, like you needed money, not only gear, but you needed fucking money to go do all this shit. So why not find some kid that has like he gets fifty grand a year already yeah. from his his parents or whatever, and like sponsor him. He may be a little bit shittier of a skier than you, but he's already got the van and he's yeah. already going and doing it. Like, slap a sticker on his ass and send yeah. him on his way. Like, what gets well, that I just realized how Alaska? small. Well, I did a quick Google search or YouTube search right before we got here. Actually, I was like, you know, I'm just thinking random skiing. I'm like, oh, skiing. Like, it's winter's coming. And I was like, oh, ski building video. I just looked, I typed in ski building YouTube, and there's like a couple. And you look at the counts of views. Like, eh, like 50 grand. Not big numbers. Then I was like, oh, ski quiver. Because I got a whole pile of fucking skis out here. I'm like, oh, I could do a ski quiver video, whatever the fuck that is. And I type in ski quiver, and there's like 200 views, 500 views, 300 views, 800 views, right? Like little numbers. Yeah, very. And then, uh, and I realized that, because then that's the whole thing, like, these guys say, you know, focus on the one thing, it's one thing. But, like, one thing has to be interesting to a lot of fucking people. And yeah. then you'll research, I don't know if you've done any research on, like, PewDiePie or... Casey Neistat or these people oh, like it's interesting what they're talking or Mr. Beast dude we had to, I think did we talk about this the other day we talked yeah we talked like like the Mr. Beast maybe like last guy who's holding his computer gets it you just put your hand on it that would be the fucking video and we sit here for three days because you want this MacBook Pro 2010 so bad yeah <laughs> it's a uh, you know you you are you're you're a foreign national in a way. <laughs> like, we're all foreign nationals. We're Alaskans, you know? Uh-huh. And, and as far as, like... We're too know, far out there, I think. We're too far out there to be mainstream. You know what I'm saying? And so, like... <laughs> so and that's funny. why we make we made such great reality TV. Because people watch reality TV to, like, pick and poke at fucking weirdos. They don't watch reality TV to be like, yeah, that's my homie. I want to hang out with that girl, you know? <laughs> like, that's why Alaska's like, all... Like, you watch this shit to make yourself feel better, right? Oh like, God. And, and and so like we have a whole state full of people that will make you feel better about yourself. Like, well, let's go on a fucking well, drive. Think right? about <laughs> that. I guess on the whole, I you know that's why Alaska is really interesting. If you think of the world, here's Earth. You know, where did people? How where did they come from? They were out of Africa into Asia into Europe, thousands of years ago. Whatever that doesn't fucking matter. Asia for thousands of years, thousands of years, Europe, and then. How long ago did they even come to North America? And that's not disregarding Native Americans who were here, but their culture didn't persevere. But as we came across, as you're treading fine lines, you you know it's a it's a tight it's a tight rope to walk. Yeah, it changes by the day. Point being, Western civilization pushed across North across North America at a certain rate, and bing, Alaska's the dead end, fucking dead end. We're at the end. Yeah, over there is the old world. Like, if you think about the way the sun goes around the earth, that's the way we've come around the goddamn world. And here we are at the fucking end. The fringe, the leading edge, which may or may not it's dull or whatever the hell it is. It's like, when you think about it, and I remember being in Smithers, and everyone there, they've, you know, a lot of people migrated across Canada. They made it to the lower mainland, which is the Vancouver area, and then they pushed to Smithers. That's where they're like, they pushed to from... <clears throat> the bass is because it comes from Europe. You think about it, all of our energy comes from Europe to North America, pushes west. <laughs> Smithers was as far as they made it, right? And then in my head, I'm like, oh, 
and they think they're so far north, west and north. I'm like, well, Alaska's another fucking 2,000 miles. Like, you guys aren't even at the edge yet. Like, knowing that's where I'd already come from. Yeah. And it's not that it means anything or it's of any value or unvalue, but that's just where we are. No, it's like when, <laughs> uh, when somebody from the East Coast, I mean, like, all the kids that we, all the kids that are in Girdwood that are from New England, uh-huh. when they first decided, like, we're going to go west, yeah, they yeah. all went to Colorado. Or Montana, yeah. Like, Montana, that was, that was west to them. Yeah. They made it to the fucking Rockies. But to like, us, Ooh. like, the Rockies is... It's like, goddamn L.A. Is, is that the west? Well like, like that's the that's the central <laughs> United States, sir. You've made yeah. it as far as the Rockies. Like you yeah. didn't make it west. Yeah, and I always <laughs> now you've, you've reached the continental divide. Yeah, that's the funniest thing. Like <laughs> growing up here, going to Smithers and then taking seven years to get back here. It was a fucking lot of effort to like uproot myself, moving thousands of miles. It's a lot of fucking effort. Even to know where I was coming to, I was coming to my homeland, to everything. It was like, to uproot, because I had a life going in Smithers, like, it was good, I liked it. And we're like, well, I guess we're fucking leaving now, like, back to Girdwood. But you think about people, and that's my point, is that, you know, I know people in Girdwood, they've made that double hop, and I went to Montana, then I came to Utah, then I came here, and I gave them more credit now for having me, that's, you know, those are drastic moves. To be just some solo person, like, moving to fucking cross country to some town, you know, like, all the way to Alaska, like... Give them credit for coming this far. Yeah, and that's the most... One of the more interesting parts about living in Alaska is listening to people's stories, how they got here. Yeah. Everybody's got a little different story. I mean, being from somebody that, like, was born and raised here, I don't... Maybe for a long time I didn't appreciate that, but it's interesting as an adult where you kind of gain more appreciation for how people got here. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's not an easy task for a lot of people to end up in Alaska. Like, there was, like, some type of stretch. There was some type of, like, harebrained idea. There was a moment. Yeah. And, like, you hear a lot of these things from the people that end up here that it was, like, oh, and then I and just... Then they find Gerber and then I places. just went to Alaska. And then, like, and then, yeah, then the town that we live in is very unique in Alaska. Like, you know, Alaska yeah. can be a little hard-edged or you know some parts are conservative some parts are like inclusive and like uh-huh. maybe it has to do with native culture or just being remote well, and rednecks. people being well i remember well to that point i remember for the first time ever i loved girdwood it was like an epic, you know, i loved it it was the only town i could think of living i remember going down to the first salmon stock in the milchick what seven eight years ago and i remember it was the first time ever you know i'm like 35 or whatever Getting, I'm like, they're like, where are you from? I'm like, oh, Girdwood. And they're like, oh, Girdwood. Like, it was this, like, negative kind of... Oh, when you go to the peninsula, yeah. like, Girdwood is like, oh, you're from Girdwood. Yeah. Like, you're a... <laughs> totally. You're a, you're you're a, a Trustafarian, double house owning something, or you're a hippie dipshit liberal. Yeah, you're just, like, you're just, exactly, you're a hippie dipshit. You're not real Alaska. Exactly. It's, like, weird. You're probably rich Trustafari who moved no, no, from no, somewhere I, else. I mean, working in, in the film industry, like, I have, and you, like, travel around and do all this shit, and like, you know, like mainly within the state, and like I'll go to a village, and, and I mean honestly, you know, for like, what are you going to villages for? To just film random shit, you know, for like I, and so for instance, like here I went to Wales, like which is what Wales is a hundred miles or so north of Nome, closest point in Alaska to to Russia, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Contrary. Who was your client, or what were you doing up there? Uh, I was filming, uh, filming some shit for outside television, cable network TV show. So at the time, there's this, there's this girl, and she is, uh, she, uh, what she do? She, she 
the first thing that she had done, this this woman, is she had been on a boat and they had paddled from, they had been on an oar boat and they paddled across the Atlantic. They paddled from Europe to the U.S., her and four other men, and then after that, like, she had gotten some interest in some sponsors, so she created another trip, and I think from Washington or Vancouver, they had kayaked all the way up the Alaska coast, and then to maybe Anchorage, or, or to some place on the road system, Anchorage, uh, you know, Seward, Valdez, I don't know where the fuck. They flew their kayaks up to Nome, I believe, and then started paddling up the coast, and like, you know, they were kind of making some trying to gain some notoriety because she was trying to get some sponsorship to do another big ocean crossing path. Uh-huh. Now these boats that they use, they cost a couple hundred grand, you know, so you need a, a big time sponsor, like a, a watchmaker or a tennis shoe company. You, you need somebody to pay for this thing. So uh, anyway, moral of the story is I end up working on a film job as a cameraman and I go to Wales because this girl's going to paddle from Russia to Alaska. And you're going to see her landing? Yeah, and then we're going to film this whole excursion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so my my impression of it, leaving from Anchorage, where I'm like, I don't even know what I'm getting myself into, dude. So I fly to, which is a lot of the jobs I get into are very vague until you get there. Um, so I get to Wales, and ultimately this girl's been in this town for... Uh, a couple weeks, and she has caused a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, if she owes people money or they just don't like her. But we get to town, and there's definitely some problems. And her, her, her goals that she wants to accomplish are not going to get met because there's some people that are unhappy with her, and it's like me and uh, uh, another cameraman and a representative from the television company I'm with. Oh my gosh! And so. We get there, and, like, she wants to do this paddleboard thing where she paddles from Russia, and then we're like, oh, but you have no permits to do so, so... So, like, you can't just go to Russia with no... How is she going to go? She's like, we're going to fly over in a helicopter? She was going to have us take her over in a boat, and then she was going to paddle back. Oh, my God. So this is what ends up actually happening. Not what she thinks is, is... I show up in Wales, Alaska, me and uh, Dirk, and with this other kid who's from outside TV, and we meet with these native guys. And uh, I think maybe half the guys in the village wanted to bang her, <laughs> and half the guys were just one, they saw some payment out of the deal, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they weren't very happy with her, and we showed up, and we kind of had to smooth things over <laughs> with these guys. Which was fine, you know, and it was like, but it was, like you say, once again, being from Girdwood, it's not a very, I'm like, I have no standing in a native village being from Girdwood, Alaska. I might as like, being from fucking Girdwood, Alaska in the state of Alaska is like being from L.A. or, I mean, I don't know where that was from, Malibu or, like, I mean, I'm some, I live in this cushy little town, so. That's so funny. How I made connections with the dudes is that. I know snow machining. I filmed and 
edited snow machine videos. Uh-huh. And when I went to the village, I brought a dozen snow machine videos. Oh my god! I these trays are about so like, gave them away. Yeah, if you show up like you know, and, and like these kids, like I mean, their snow machine is one of their prized possessions. Which, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not any different than around well, here. They live with like, them. People in this valley, their snow machines are pride possessions. So, so like, there's a connection there, right? But like, uh-huh. and like, that's a very, very powerful connection in the state of Alaska. Is like whether you like it or not, is uh-huh. like, and it allow, and and that alone allows me to like get through. We we get these boat captains to go out, and even though we don't go to Russia, we go across the international dateline into Russian waters enough that we get buzzed by Russian aircraft. Really? Yeah. In, in little Lunds, 17-foot oh, Lunds, like, God. 40 miles from shore out in the middle of the fucking... Oh. You know? <laughs> and so, anyway, um, we don't make it back safe, and everything's fine. But so you just kicked her out, she just paddled back? Yeah, we, we went, we put her ass in the boat, and her paddleboard, and we took two Lunds, 17-foot Lunds, with, like, 40-horsepower motors on it, on the... On the like luckier than all hell day, super flat. Uh-huh. Go out forty miles in the Bering Strait till we cross the International Dateline. Oh my god! Into what is now what? There's Little Diomede and Big Diomede, and one of them's the U.S. Well, it's funny. Pause Russian. on that. My guy who I work for his house. That's where he works. Every he's there right now. He flies helicopter from Nome to a, Little Diamond, the town there. The mail run he's the mail run. He's yeah. the helicopter dude. Yeah. Dealing with all their shit. Yeah. And he hears about everything and he yeah. says it's the most fucked up place ever. Super fucked up. There's people that like grow weed out there. Like, <laughs> that's the crazy thing is like the, all the people that grow weed in the village are like, dude, you guys, like, you got like... Also, it's so funny thinking of Gerdwood as I was working in Seward. <clears throat> when I came here from Hawaii that winter, it was working in Seward. I had renters in this house, and I was like, had a house I was renting in sewer through work or whatever. And it was such an, it was this dead of winter, this is January, February. Coming from the sewer end of things, sewer's dead. And I'd never been there in winter. I'd literally never been to sewer in the winter. I had no reason to ever go there. Yeah. And no one ever has a reason to go there, apparently, because it was a fucking, it was a ghost town. It was, <laughs> I don't know if you've been there in dead of winter, it's interesting. Yeah, like there's the front park where all the motorhomes are in the summer. It's just a wasteland. Just there's snow, yeah. and then half that was just empty. There's like yeah. one little coffee shop. There's a Safeway. The saving grace when I was working there was a swimming pool. Like it was actually warm swimming pool at the high school. So I'd go work ten hours in the cold and then go swim laps for like an hour and a half every night. It was the best thing ever. Anyway, when I'd come home, I was staying at Nick. I was staying in the studio over here if I came on the weekends. Uh-huh. It was such a trip to be in Seward, which is Deadsville. Whole Seward Highway is fucking dead. In general, in the fucking winter, like, you know, 8 o'clock at night on a Thursday night or whatever, because we were doing 410, so Thursday night I'd book it back up, you're dead. I wouldn't pass a single car. The whole way. The whole way. Maybe one or two cars, you come through Portage, actually then, you know, in the nighttime, Turnigan's dead anyway. And I remember coming around the corner at Portage <clears throat> and coming and seeing the car, the traffic piling into Girdwood, you know, from Anchorage, the Friday night crowd. Yeah. And like, whoa, like... I could see it coming from Deadsville, coming around the corner, and it's literally, this was like three years ago, and it was such an eye-opener to see. And I knew it, but to see it like that, the flood of lights coming around Bird Point, piling the girdwood, and I came driving it from Tesoro from the other direction, and it was like, oh, there's Anchorage, there's America, there's booming shit going on, and then I like, 
doosh, came into it. And, you know, I pull into here, which I'm right at the edge of it, basically. And uh, it was just really eye-opener, which makes me also think about these people who ride the train. You know, there's a train that comes by the tourists in the summer. It's been oh, yeah. less this summer, obviously, but... And these trees have grown. The trees used to be smaller. And these tourists would come by, going all slow, about to stop. And then we'd be all, you know, the kids would run out and wave, train, train, go wave at the train. And all these tourists would be like, in their faces, they were always... They're so astounded. They're like, "Oh, look!" And everyone's like, "Look at those town!" They would like, "Look at those people!" And they're like, little kids are waving because in their head, they're all coming from out of state. Yeah. They all got on the train, probably in Seward, off a boat. You know, they came in from wherever, got on a fucking train, and they saw nothing but glaciers and mountains ever since Seattle, wherever they came from. And then yeah. they're seeing us, like, doosh, this little like, hi, we're like, we're in the fucking middle of nowhere, like. Oh yeah, that's what's a. That's so funny is that so. Um, so, what ends up happening, you know, we're the terminus of, of the of of two things right here in Whittier and Seward. We're the terminus of the north to south, land tour, for the major tour companies, and we're also the pickup point for the, for people who. There's, there's a couple of different tours where the pickup point for people who are not only flying out of state, they reach their northern destination for the cruise, but they're also the people who are going to do a land tour. So, most, you know, we have one point whatever million people who come to Alaska on a cruise ship every year. Most of those people cruise from... Not many people? Yeah. But most of those people will cruise from Vancouver or Seattle, and they will get off in Juneau, and they will literally fly back there. It's like a three, four-day cruise, right? Yeah. Then the, the next step is you can come up through, you know, the, the rest of the Inside Passage, and you come up to, you know, Haynes and Skagway, and then come and, like, terminate in Whittier or Seward, depending on which cruise ship you ride. Uh-huh. Um, at that point, people will then go and fly out in Anchorage. Um, which is like how most people do their tours. They just take the cruise portion. Uh-huh. Now the really dedicated people, for some fucking reason, after being on a cruise ship, oh, on the train. Now they get on a train, which then takes them to a tour bus, uh-huh. which then takes them on a four to five day That's tour crazy. bus trip to Fairbanks. <laughs> so so you got on a fucking cruise ship. In Seattle or Vancouver, and, you're just and where you're getting off is two weeks later in Fairbanks, Alaska, to fly home. The demographic of these people who did do this are in their seventies. They're all retired. Uh-huh. You know, there's not any kids. There's not any young people. Well, I remember seeing young people don't want to be stuck on a tour bus. Well, I remember working at the hotel, yeah. like talk tours and. Or the other names? Yeah, I'm used these to are all the land tours. Yeah, and they all come yeah. just pumping through. You're like, yeah. talk tours coming through. Like, oh my god. Yeah, they do that. What was the scam? I'm trying to remember the scam at the pond they did. The waiters. Oh, they, they had a there's a there was a brout a, a voucher. Yeah, there was a there were you know for a buffet. Absolutely, yeah. They they and were they, uh, they were scamming the system per se. Um, oh, anytime, anytime somebody pays with cash, oh yeah, there's, there's a cash transaction with uh, somebody that only makes minimum wage. You just definitely want to keep an eye out on that. 
employee. <laughs> and that wasn't something that was LES Resorts like a strong suit at the time. Uh-huh. So when somebody well, I remember I was a busser. This was, is this is what people would do. There was there was servers at a at a hotel and the cruise ship passengers or the I mean, excuse me, the, the tour passengers, they would show up with a with a voucher, okay? They would pay for their breakfast buffet with a voucher, and you as a server would now take your voucher. Oh, thank you very much, sir. You're going to eat buffet food. like, And they wouldn't ring it in. They'd stick that buffet voucher in their, in their little, you know, in their apron. Uh-huh. And so now what they would do is they would have somebody come in, and when somebody came in and oh, was a, cash. a normal client and exactly would pay cash, now they would take that voucher and they'd go ring that in uh-huh. and they would take the cash and put then it in the Then the voucher, pocket. I mean, the buffet, that's the thing that was never coming through. There's no ticket coming through. Yeah. You know, so exactly. you could have... Yeah. That's the scam, I guess. But I, mean, I never did. I just heard... I remember hearing about it and I'd been there for a couple of years. Yeah. I was like... I kind of like realized, I think, several of them. Anyway, I don't think they were trouble. It was, it was not a scam. It was a... It was a it was a huge weakness in a system that was a bunch of minimum wage employees that were like, you know. It reminds me of that uh, statue that no one's torn down yet at the hotel. I can't believe no one tore that thing down. The guy, the horse, coming down the hill. A, the guy's definitely racist. B, the horse is animal abuse. <laughs> the guy's definitely racist. Well, he's like some old world like dude coming across America. And isn't he from Jackson? That statue is like a Jackson thing. I don't know, because um, so put it in there. Yeah, I think the artist is it's a Jackson. Yeah, but just the way the horse is going out such a steep pitch, that's animal abuse, in my activist point of view. Anyway, they they couldn't tear it down because the construction fence was around it. So whoever I, they are, these writers. So this is a this is a funny concept to me. So like like is a chat thing. Juice. Oh, we got eleven percent. snow machine movies so like you said with people's concept of the west when you're from the east coast and it's like you know it's like oh I'm going to move west and move to Colorado Um, we made a DVD cover for a movie we made one year for an action sports snow machine movie and the graphics designer we were like oh yeah like you know we were looking for something that's like all this stuff that like you know we're looking something that's like you know like western kind of like uh-huh. you know like we're thinking like trees and shit so the guy sends us a bunch of stuff with like fucking broncos and like you know like, <laughs> like barbed wire and shit <laughs> and we're like whoa 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 not like midwest we're like we're talking like oh, yeah, you know, like like, like, like northwestern shit you know like and so but it's it's funny um depending on where you're from in the country where you yeah like the well, this country's so fucking big and everyone's all hating each other now um, I was just thinking, I'll read these eight stories before we run out. Well, it's one story. Yeah. We're resurrecting. Ultimately, like, I think that we should do a, we should get Todd and you and me, we should sit down and do a little aid cast, uh-huh. and then I can go and, like, I can hit up Carlo and hit up Greener and hit up Wheeler, Abe's buddies in Utah. Yeah. 
and those guys can sit down and do the same thing. Like, I watch ours. I actually want to get a hold of those dudes, because this is pretty funny stuff. I know there's stories that they probably need yeah, to hear. Yeah, and, like, we can, like, do a podcast, like, a little deal, and then they can watch it, and then do, like, their deal, uh-huh. and we could kind of, like, That'd bounce them funny. off of each other. Cause, well, and I should dig through those tapes. I bet there's some funny shit in there. If I can ever get in, if I, I was going to go find Darby, because I think he has a mini DV camera. I think I have one, actually. Uh, I know I do. My mini DV camera set my office on fire. Really? Like, I had the thing, and it was, like, dead to me, and then Andy was, like... What? Oh, really? No, I'm dead serious. Like, Andy Ball, like, I, like, had this mini DV camera, and, and it was, like, just in case all those tapes that I showed you, in case I wanted to see those... What was that first Sony one? What was it called? That nice one. The first one, Hans had one. Yeah, I had the same one. It's called PC100 or whatever it was. Something. It was like the first, like, ooh, this thing's so old. What, the battery, like, fucked up? Yeah, I plugged it in, left it in my office, and went home, and in the fucking. I get a call from the office manager the next day, like, oh, the the sprinkler system went off, and I go, and, like, you know, my, my office isn't, like, Where's your office? In town. At the time, that was where the whole my whole drone business and uh-huh. all of my filming shit was. Uh-huh. So the sprinkler system went off and like pretty much just like I go in and all my all my cameras and all my, oh my electronics. It's literally like in like Tupperware tubs, all water. super organized, like super organized, and all of them are like to the brim oh with water. <laughs> and the fucking electronics are like floating in it. Did you have insurance? <laughs> It's a fucking painting. All the shit was insured, but, it, like, amazingly, that a lot of the stuff was still good. It was, like... Put it back in rice. Yeah, you just dry it out, and a lot of that electronic stuff, it, if it's not if it's not plugged in and receiving electricity when it gets uh, wet, it, it, it's fine if you completely dry it out before you get the electricity. Well, you heard about that fire the other night. Did you hear? Yeah. It's like, that house, I actually saw it, you know, because it's the only house you could see... From the, out on the highway, yeah. up on the hill, and I remember seeing it because it's new. They put it in the summer, and I remember that night or that afternoon, whatever the day before, I was driving. I'm like, "What the fuck house is that?" Because I knew what it was, and I knew I'd never seen it before, and I wasn't sure where it was. And it was that night, dude. The crazy, the crazy thing about that is, is that you know, Echo Drive has some Airbnbs on that street, and you know, there's a there's a there's a consistent battle that goes on between the Whittier Police Department, the the Girdwood Fire Department, and the residents up there between uh-huh. people parking on the street and they have they have a lot of issues up there, you know. Was I talking to someone who lives up there saying that I don't know and who like, it was, but yeah, exactly. I heard yeah. that street had problems. Yeah, they have a lot of problems. Well, it's the steepest street in Girdwood, and for yeah. God for sickness, it's like the steepest street. Oh, like, and you got randoms driving up there in the middle of winter when it's icy. Oh, it's like God. nobody belongs on that street that That's doesn't true. live up there. Like, you run in an well, Rosie's got a friend up there. Drive, like, well, Rosie's got a friend up there yeah. on one of them, and in the bad when it's bad I'm like I'm, pay- I'm parking down at Alpine Meadows yeah, or whatever the hell slide your ass down I'm like you right? walk down the hill <laughs> he's like no come again I'm like no because no. you know I can get up the hill easy but it's the coming down with the heavy diesel you're just gonna fucking slip right off yeah so thank god that like it wasn't a busy night up there and they like couldn't get up there and it wasn't dry well it sounded like a shit show anyway like the nearest fire hydrant was like 2,000 feet away and then the pump is all pump truck stuff like, oh yeah like when my shit yeah. 
my shed pointing, it used to be over here, caught fire. They had to pump it from the Tesoro. That was a shit show. Yeah, you were working at the Ontario Forum when that happened. Yeah. Oh, that was bad. Anyway, I should read this before the camera dies. This is funny. Well, it's depressing. Well, it starts depressing, but... <laughs> so I don't know if you try to not laugh or something. No, you can laugh all you want or ask questions. There's no fucking whatever. No rules. So I wrote this August 10th. So two years to the day. It's been two years to the day since my friend Abe died. You have no, no idea how many times I've thought about how to start writing about this royal bummer of a subject. I keep having this recurring recollection about a funeral I went to as a kid. I was in Cub Scouts and one of the kids in my group was named Robert. Robert was cool and we were friends enough that we got together outside of actual scout events a few times. One day Robert got on a plane to fly to Dallas to visit his dad for a couple of weeks as his parents had been divorced since for some time. While visiting his dad, they went to a shooting range to shoot guns as they do in Texas. As the story goes, Robert was killed by his dad when the gun accidentally discharged. A rifle? A pistol? I don't know. That is all they told me. I was not immediately too sad as I really barely knew the kid, but I remember the feeling of being affected by death for the first time. It was not too bad, as far as I could tell as an eight-year-old. The day of the funeral came and Robert's mother first requested all of the boys in the Cub Scout troop that came would wear their scout uniforms. She also wanted us to carry the coffin like a squad of adult marines, but that idea was turned down by my dad, who was the scout troop leader. We went to the funeral, and the only thing I can really remember, short pause, this was actually really annoying writing this, I was like, this is a deep memory that I wrote several, a couple weeks ago. The image that is ingrained in my mind was of Robert's mother being escorted slash carried by a gaggle of sisters and brothers and aunts and mothers from her car as she was racked with uncontrollable sobbing. <laughs> I can't even read it. <laughs> as they lowered the little coffin into the ground. Look at me, I can't even fucking read this. It's pretty good. Yeah, it was a, at the time. Wow, that's funny how that happens. <laughs> at the time, I was just like, standing there my little fucking thing doing this, like a Cub Scout thing, and uh, then years later, like, what the fuck, that was fucked up. Like, I was eight. Like, that was fucked up, and I remember her, like, oh yeah. she wanted us to carry the fucking coffin like little fucking Marines, and I remember being like, you know, we're this tall, like, we're little fucking kids, and my dad's like, oh, that's a bad idea. Anyway, I remember this. Little coffin into the hole. The family rushed in and pulled her, oh, as they lowered the little coffin into the hole, she tore free from the group and threw herself onto the box halfway into the hole. And I remember being like, that's fucked up. Like, I didn't have kids at the time. The family rushed in, pulled her back as they proceeded with the internment. We watched the coffin disappear into the hole while holding the little Cub Scout sign two fingers held at the brow and a final salute to our friend. That's fucking dramatic. It turns, though. <laughs> as, far as, as far as Abe goes, Abe was a bastard. At his memorial, the recurring toast being hollered and cried out by his mourning friends was, Fuck you, Abe. It seems like the oddest ode to be found in an insult, but that was Abe and he would have loved it. He was like a mischievous little devil in the form of a human. You could count your blessings he was on your side. So many people in high school thought he was a complete asshole, but I got to call him my friend. It was Abe and Ryan and Tom who I spent my most formative years in the mountains this typo here, I'm trying to decipher my typos. One month after Abe's 
death, Ryan and I decided to do a good old-fashioned death march from Bird to Girdwood, Bird Creek to Girdwood along the mountain ridgetop. So we started in the rain and climbed for two hours. Before gaining the first high point in the ridge before 10 a.m., the weather called for rain and we planned on getting wet, but it was right as we topped out. The clouds dispersed in the pluff, fluffy cotton balls that would dance in the wind along the ridge ahead of us, drenching in sun. We would be in the fog, but the sun would still be blaring through, turning everything to gold. Then a break. Then we would see the water of turning an arm and a new cloud would roll by like a recovered memory of Abe. Ryan and I laughed our asses off if we would just blurt one story after another about the twisted little fucker. One time, Ryan made a stop. You probably don't remember you know, the story, but... One time, Ryan made a stop so he would go into the supermarket for something. I was in the driver's seat, as always, and Abe was in the passenger seat. On the dash were three items. Ryan's toothbrush, toothpaste, and an old-school film camera. <laughs> oh, this yeah, was 2001 this. or so. <laughs> I can remember Abe picking up the camera like a baboon, maybe, and inspecting it. Then his eye spotted the toothbrush, and his hand bolted out and grabbed it. He held them both in front of his face like a, with a look like he had just discovered fire. I was on to him. I was on to him. What are you going to do? I knew it could not be good. Abe just started laughing. As he laughed, he grabbed the toothpaste. He kept laughing more as he uncapped the toothpaste and put some on the brush. I was laughing. I, though I did not, I was not sure why. I was like, what are you going to do with it? Like, I remember literally sitting there as he was just like, ha 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 Like, putting it on there. I'm like, oh my god, where's this going? <laughs> he held the camera and took a picture of the toothbrush and then as quick as lightning, he pulled his pants down and started slobbing the toothbrush on his disgusting, dirty dick, all the while taking pictures and laughing like a maniac. And in retrospect, maybe he was a maniac, and I was his enabler. He scrubbed his nuts enough that I remember them being all frothy, as I partly wanted to escape the car, but I also wanted to, s I wanted to know how fucked Ryan really would be. <laughs> Abe had enough. He cleaned the toothbrush in his armpit and set it back on the dash, and then turned to me with a half-scold and his finger pointing in my face, demanding silence on the subject. <laughs> I wiped a tear from my cheek and complied. Back on the ridgetop with Ryan, my feet hurt, and I knew Abe was fucking with me. I had very specifically planned on bringing multiple sets of socks for this long day in the mountains, but at the last second I switched backpacks and didn't realize that I had forgot to grab the socks out of the side pocket. Our feet had been soaked from the first ten minutes of the hike, and now around five hours in I had some chafing going on my, where the dirt and debris had worked around the top of my shoe. Ryan smugly swapped out his socks, and I was reminded how I had trained Ryan up in the mountains over fifteen years earlier. That was a fucking... Dude, that destroyed my feet. Worse than any trip ever. The, the, your, and I specifically was trying to save my feet. Dude, the edges back here were just destroyed. I, it was like I wore these wool socks. It was just, I swear, it was fucking Abe because I wore these fucking wor weird wool socks. <laughs> <Where's his name? laughs> and then they were hurting like five hours into it. And I, it was like a nine hour trip. Dude, anyway. Point is, Abe's feet were always fucked up. Or I should say, Abe's clothing and equipment was always falling apart, but he endured. He was seriously only five foot two in high school, and for all that suffering I profess to have endured in the mountains, Abe's burden was surely double. I mentioned a story earlier about Abe having a broken foot and we rode scooters to Girdwood. Good times. A couple of weeks later, Abe prematurely pulled his cast apart because it had been saturated too many times and it stank. We told him not to, but he insisted. I, the dang pen that they had put in there had been working its way out next to his pinky toe, so he just yanked it out. The next day we decided to go on an adventure. We biked from Glen Alps parking lot above Anchorage with skis on our backpacks. This was in early June. We biked back four miles to the base of the north side of Ptarmigan Peak. Our plan was to climb and ski the gnarly north couloir that runs right off the summit. It was fairly hard summer snow. Abe's foot hurt too much for him to jam into a ski boot, ski boot the preferred footwear. Instead, he carried his skis and boots over his shoulder while re 
painting SPD bike shoes on his feet. Like, he boot-packed all the fucking North Face with his skis on and his boots, like, draped. Or he was carrying the skis? Dude, so sketchy. Such a scumbag. And, like, gnarly. And that, uh... At the top of the run, Abe forced his foot into the swollen boot and he skied the line. Like, I remember his foot was fucked up because he'd ripped the thing out two days before. That was his toe? Yeah, and he jammed it into the, the boot. He's toe. like, I think he was always in just so much pain all the time. Like, it just kept going, like, insanely. Uh, that night, we went to a party at a friend's house on the hillside, Brett and Arrest's house. Abe had 21 shots of tequila and soon took his pants off. We went out to the driveway as we... He went out to the driveway as we hollered directions at him as to the whereabouts of the imaginary girls in the yard. I don't know if you were there. No. They are right over behind that bush. We're up on the deck, and he's in the driveway, and we're like, they're over there, behind that bush, go get them, there's naked girls. And Abe's like, really? He thought there was. Abe did a couple of stumble laps around the house before taking off down the driveway toward the world at large. We ran out and corralled him back to the house. I gathered his pants and any remaining dignity and helped him to sleep in the garage, curled up on a round dog mat. So I put him asleep in the fucking garage. <laughs> a couple hours later, I went to check on him. I found him in the utility bathroom, passed out with his head, top of his head hanging scalp deep in the puke-filled toilet bowl. I sh you know, he's like passed out with his head in the toilet bowl. <laughs> I shook him awake and put his head on. I put his head at ease on the urine-stained bowl rim. Again later, I checked on him. This time, he was drinking the puke-filled water with his hand, like it was a fresh mountain stream. Like I literally, it was. He's, like, drinking like this out of the toilet bowl. Uh, oh, then he was so gross, Ryan lamented. <laughs> Ryan and Abe were basically gay butt buddies for another decade after my, wife, decade. after my wife ejected me from the bro club. Ryan reminded me of the party Abe threw in his... Ryan reminded me of the party Abe threw at his stepdad's house. The night actually started at a hotel room that Abe rented on his very own credit card. I don't know if we remember this. They destroyed... Oh, they destroyed it. Did you, did you know that story? The, the golden lion. lion? Yeah, the lion. Yeah. I had not joined in on the festivities at that point in the evening yet. I don't know if it was the same night. I think it was within two nights. I was trying to remember when I wrote this if it was the same night or within two nights. I know it was real close because I remember after the golden lion thing, they pressed charges. They were like, you're fucking under arrest, like whatever. Yeah, like, and he somehow like, got out of it. Yeah, he was like, he skated on it. I don't know how he got away. Uh... They ripped the toilet seat out and threw it on the floor with the mattresses and everything else in the room and pissed on it and poured beer out for their fallen homies, then they left. Like, that's what they literally did. They destroyed the fucking hotel room. And then, uh, I said Fred Bull was there, because I remember Fred was at that party, even though I knew I wasn't there, but anyway, I had written about him earlier. Uh, later at his stepdad's condo, the party reconvened. Max was a retired Air Force pilot and was very respectful and patient with Abe and his brothers. Over the course of the party, Abe put tinfoil in the microwave, smashed vodka screwdrivers all over the place, burnt Max's American flag that hung in the corner, knocked out a Russian exchange student on a fireplace mantle, and pissed on a girl who passed out on the couch. I'm trying to get that picture from Nerissa. She has a picture of that. In retrospect, I feel bad for having been part of it. I liked Max, and I think he and Abe's mom thought I was a good influence on him. I think I was in general, but I did like to encourage Abe's shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, I didn't encourage any of it for what it was worth. That was Abe, always pushing things to the limit. Like, you weren't at that party, you? No, I wasn't. <laughs> I was like, I mean, we were like 20 or 21, and I was kind of just like, eh, hmm, let's yeah, get out of control. Yeah. Like, eh, like, I mean, I was still having fun, but I felt bad. One time, I was dropping him off at his parents' condo, the same place as mentioned before. 
He pulled his bike off the rack, and I could see it on the ground behind the car. I looked back over to the passenger window, and there's Abe gleefully pissing all over the rearview mirror and window as I yelled, stop that. That only encouraged him as he laughed more and smashed his nasty cock and balls up against the glass while still pissing, making a mess for sure. Like, literally, I'm in this fucking seat in my brown Subaru, and he's, like, pissing on the window. Yeah, that's it's right. just mashed, like, everywhere on him, like... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I should have just run over his bike. Then I was like, oh yeah, a few weeks later we did run over his bike on purpose, so his mom would get him a new one. To be fair, it was a 24-inch ghetto huffy and we smashed it flat, and Abe told his mom that he had crashed and broke it. The whole bike was tacoed out and she believed him. Remember we ran it over like ten times? Abe used to steal from REI a lot. He would go in to buy something, then go back in and grab the same item off the shelf and then go return it for cash. Or sometimes you just go and put clothes on in the change room. Or once he hid in the circular coat rack and put clothes on. I swear he specifically caused REI to clamp down on a very lenient return policy. I think he did. Like, I think he, he absolutely did. Like, he got to the point where none of his friends would go to REI with him. Because they felt like they were going to be... I remember one time, though, I was like... He was like, I was the yeah. real man, and I kind of, like, got sucked into it, and I was like, oh, God, like, he was going to do some fucking, sk- I don't know what the maneuver was, I was like, oh, God, like, probably implicating myself. That yeah. was, he was so poor at the time, and, like, you know. Anyway, so, REI, uh... Sorry, REI. One time, we were in Seward on, for the 4th of July festivities. We stayed up all night drinking by a river, and some people had the audacity to keep, to try and sleep in some tents on the beach. Abe and another guy, it was Kyler... Abe and another guy started wrestling right next to the tents and on purpose bulldozed over three or four of them, snapping the tent poles and shredding the flies. I thought it was hilarious. But then again, as mentioned before, I might be an asshole. (laughs) One time I gave Abe five dollars to eat three moose turds. He started chewing and the pellets were so dry they got all pasty and... Recording. Okay. We're recording. Okay, wow. Backtrack a half paragraph. Wrap this shit show up. Oh, where I stopped. Oh, one time I gave Abe five dollars to eat three moose turds. He started chewing, and the pellets were so dry that he got all pasty. He didn't have any water, and he nearly choked. That was up on the hillside trails. I don't know if you were with me when that. No, happened. I was not. And he was just. Oh, I took an actual picture. I wish I. Anyway. Uh, I didn't laugh the one time he sprayed deet right in my mouth. Abe was so proud of getting people to snap and they would want to kill him. I was proud of not snapping despite being the target of his concerted efforts. One thing I didn't write in here for some reason was the one time we were at Ryan's condo. And he's like, punch me, hit me, hit me, hit me. For, I'm like, I don't want to hit you, no. And like for hours, two hours, he's like, punch me. And then finally I karate kicked him out of the blue. Like I just like, to his chest. And he's like, kakoosh, and hit the ground. And then he just loved it. He was just laughing on the ground. And I soccer kicked him a couple times. I was like, that's what you want? Like, why do you want this? <laughs> like, there you go. Like, I'm about to snap it in. Anyway, in 11th grade, he told half the school I was gay and that I had hit on him. That was funny. He had sex with my sister. He steered me clear and covered for Ryan when Ryan was having sex with my then ex-girlfriend when I didn't want to be an ex. A decade later, he also had sex with the same ex-girlfriend, but at least I was long over her by then. He was so proud about that one. His first girlfriend he got to bang was named Sarah. He would come to school and smash his fingers in your mouth and face before you could react and then laugh while showing you the period blood around the fingernails. I already, I already told the story about how he got Hans kicked off the radio because he and Abe 
he had Abe live on the air and he was already 12 beers deep. <clears throat> I had previously written a story about that. You hear that story? Oh, I was, I was there. You were there. I was actually at the radio station. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was, got kicked off in the FAA violations or whatever. Like, it was pretty. And then the, the guys were coming out from Chair 5, running out and banging on the window like, yeah, because they were playing it live in the bar. Yeah, I was I was down there that night and was like in in Chair 5 and he was in. You know. Oh my God, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, oh, I have two regrets. I didn't invite Abe or any of my Alaskan friends to my wedding in Canada. We were so far away and I felt like I had suffered a certain amount of dissociation by the whole move to Canada in the first place. Part of me did, want, did not want to see my friends and make me homesick, and part of me did not trust Abe to not make a drunken scene. <laughs> so those were two genuine concerns. Uh, in recent years, Abe moved on to live in Utah where he worked for the MSI and all the free ride comps. He was the actual start guy for a few years and he may have set you out of the gates. I was proud of him for that. Most recently, Abe moved to Austria with his new girlfriend. He'd come back to Alaska only for a week or two every every other year. The second regret was on Christmas Eve three years ago. He called and said he was at my house. I was driving home from town and would be there in five minutes, I told him. I got there and he had just left. Maybe my wife and kids and domestic bliss scared him away. I called him back. He was with Nerissa at the house. And I was like, I'm home in five minutes. Like, stay there. I called him back and we talked a few minutes, but he and his... The other friend went off to find a party. I actually really wanted to go with him, go with him and party, but I had to say goodbye and put the kids to bed in anticipation for Santa in the morning. I never did see Abe again. It was hilarious at the memorial when all of his ex-girlfriends were getting up on the mic and each professing their long-lost love for the bastard. He would have been laughing his ass off. Look at all these dumb bitches just want my dick. And it was true. It was pretty big for his size, and believe me, I saw it way more than I'd like to admit it. Speaking of which, it was like three months later when Ryan finally got his film developed. He had just came running up, he just came running up to Abe and punched him in the shoulder and thrust a grainy picture of Abe scrubbing his frothy nuts with Ryan's toothbrush. We had totally forgot about that. I remember I totally forgot. Ryan, Abe, but Ryan came out and just punched him. <laughs> Abe's like, talked to the guy. He's like, why'd you do that? And he just did this, showed him the picture, and he's like, oh, and just started laughing. <laughs> like, oh, I deserve that. <clears throat> Uh, and that was the problem Abe left me with. All of my friends I would ever make over the years would be so boring and normal in comparison. Abe had broke my shock and fun meter and I've been recovering ever since. But for all this crazy public persona, he had a quiet side. I had seen him in a place of introspection, silence and a long drive home after another close call in the mountains, silence on the chairlift after a thousand and one ski runs together. But then I remember how one day Ryan and Abe took LSD and I dropped for him. They jumped off a classic cliff run called Lolo's Leap over 30 times on refrozen crud. Abe swore to me that he could control the freefall through the forest as he flopped like a ragdoll after massive double eject impact. Lap after lap with hydrogen peroxide in his hair <clears throat> to help turn it blonde and baby oil on his face to help get a tan. In summary, that is how I prefer to remember Abe. Free falling down the mountain and through life in perfect control. <laughs> Ugh. That's pretty fucking spot on. With <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you remember that day when they were like, they hit Lolo's, like, yeah, literally 30 times. And he was telling me, he's like, he was in control. He's like, I was in control. I knew I was going to hook. And I knew I would double eject. And they were ragdolling through. He said they ragdolled. Because it was re-frozen ice. Springtime. Bad. Worst time to ever hit Lolo's leap. 
And he said they were literally ragdoll through the trees and ending up on the catch track, the spoon line. Did it like 20 times in a row. And just and then the, I'd gone to town for some reason and then came back and saw them. They were at Ryan's condo and they were both just sitting on the couch like this, still tripping, like, like this. They look like they're being electrocuted. Bright, shiny red faces from baby oil and their hair was bleach blonde sticking up in the air and they both just looked like they were being electrocuted and they are watching South Park the movie on acid. I'm like, <laughs> like you guys are insane. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> so, we're wrapping this podcast up here. We're going to do a podcast with Abe, though. An Abe, an Abe cast. Yeah, we ultimately really need to save the Abe stories for a podcast of their own. Like, yeah. Uh, I didn't tell any Abe stories, and boy, I have as many as anybody. Well, I know. Between you... And Todd and Ryan, like, yeah, you could probably, you know, a lot of the best ones are when we were like kids, kids. Yeah, know? before I even met him. Yeah, like when I heard some of them. 12, 13 years old, right? Like, like, you know, when he was still like the little brother, you know, he's really still figuring himself out. Because uh-huh. in Abe, he, he, uh, I, I knew Abe. Because they lived in Girdwood for a short period of time, and then they moved, and they went to Homer. Oh, yeah. And I was in fifth grade, and I was probably two or three months into the fifth grade year, and we were a combined class, fifth, sixth grade. Uh-huh. And he moved back. And I literally remember the day that it was like, our teacher was like, Hey, you know, this is Abe. Like, some of you <laughs> yeah. may remember him from, like, four years ago, but he's back, and uh-huh. it was because... Frank and Dawn got a divorce, uh-huh. and she moved back to Girdwood. Uh-huh. And I mean, ideally, I think it kind of was because she just wanted to have the boys be able to like ski and on the hill. Uh-huh. And that was like when I was a kid. That was kind of a lot of the deals. Like, dude, drop your kids on the hill, babysitter, blah blah blah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like just leave them up there, come get them. They didn't like skiing. They'd play video games in the day lodge. That's a whole other story that, like, I get into <laughs> the fucking OG Day Lodge in the video games. I don't remember the old Day Lodge at all. Like, that was... Because the new one came in, like, 91 or 90. Or 95? I don't remember the old one at all. I remember, vaguely, the old rental room was under the Day Lodge, maybe. Old rental room was downstairs in the Day Lodge, but upstairs, Dozer had, like... He had console after console. There was... Like, the whole windows that faced the mountain there were just video really? games. Really? Yeah. Like, stand-up old-school video games. Well, stand-up old-school video games. Really? Oh, I don't know There that. was, like, dude, there was, like, 20 of them. Oh. 30 games. Oh, so that like, was, like, a thing to do. It was, like, parents would drop kids off at the resort to go skiing. Uh-huh. And the motherfucking kids would never leave the day lodge because <laughs> they would be in there with their $10 or whatever their parents gave them. They just cash out in the coin machine oh and play video God. games. There were kids that would never go skiing even though they had ski passes. Really? Because they just played video games in the day Interesting. Yeah, for like years. Wow. And I remember at one time I would even say my brother was almost one of those people. You know, he was a 
great skier. I remember one time I was just like, I was like, dude, you're fucking amazing. But at the same time, he spent a lot of fucking time in the daylight playing video games. That is so funny. Well, I remember video games that, oh, with the bowling alley when I was a kid, Jewel Lake Bowl, they would go play video games. It was uh, Mortal Kombat. That was the big game they'd go yeah. play. I had my one friend who was a video game junkie. And I literally would go there to watch him play video games. I never really wanted to play him. I never had enough quarters. He'd always fucking... His mom would give him fucking ten bucks. I never had any money. Yeah. I would have like two quarters. Yeah, like you could like take a couple shots. Yeah, and then I'm out of quarters. Yeah, and like he would just plug them in for fucking hours and it was so good. This guy actually reminds me of you actually in terms of... He was the first person I ever met who was on the internet. Like he had an <laughs> internet with his old DOS green screen. This is literally like 90 ish 89 90 like early like uh, no 91 92 i was probably 11 or 12 and he would like dude he had his room his bedroom was like a fucking complete mess dark and it'd be the beautiful sunny day and he was like my best friend for like first second third fourth grade kind of thing and beautiful sunny day and i would go over there and beg him every fucking day to like let's go play let's go hike it let's go play in the river let's go climb a tree like let's do any of these things and and I, he was fucking, he was a video game junkie. He had the fucking internet. And I remember the first time we were like text typing on the internet in some forum. Dude, he was like 12 though. How did he even figure out know any of it yeah, to like know I it? Know. I can't, I don't understand. And even to this day, I'm like, who is that fucking dude? It's kind of funny. And then his dad, I never knew what his dad's job was. I either thought he was like a car mechanic because he was kind of a slob and like overweight dude, or he was a fucking CIA dude. <laughs> I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> And, like, to this day, I'm like, uh, because the dad was always weird and distant, and I never knew him, you know? Like, I was always at his house all the fucking time, but his dad was always gone. And, uh, anyway. He reminds me of you, because you were, like, advanced technology. <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, the whole, that, uh, all my, yeah, I don't know where I, I wasn't really ever, like, a fucking super technology nerd. All I, all I ever did was my, my uncle, like, kind of got me into RC as a kid because he, like, built RC airplanes and taught me how to do that shit. And then my brother, coincidentally, was, like, he got a job doing computers. And when I was in fucking, I don't know, I must have been junior high, he came home and was like, dude, this computer you guys have sucks. Let's build you a new computer. And he, like... Him and I bought, bought all this shit, like... Oh, so you made a PC. Yeah, we, like, literally, it was, like, video card, fucking... Uh, anyway, we're wrapping her up. Solid effort. Tom, Mace, good job. We'll do it again. I want to do repeats on people. I already want to do these other people I've done. Like Andy, he was a good one. Andy's great. You should go watch him. Andy's a classic, non-social, but very talkative individual. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get, the, well, like you were saying earlier, I want to get these Girdwood. I got Opie, Carl with a K there in my mind. And these random people, all these fucking random people. I'm like, oh, that'd be interesting to sit with them. Bullshit. Yeah, you sit down with Stevie's. You know. I had the same idea a little while ago about, but ultimately just doing, like, something shorter. Uh -huh. Not long form. Just, like. Yeah. Well, and that's back to the very beginning, the whole YouTube program. I'm doing a mishmash of stuff. It's kind of like throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks in my interest and response kind of thing. And, yeah, it's all experimental. And I've been really enjoying it. Actually, like part of, back to the we'll end on where we started about the process, you know, people start videos like, oh, my view, how many views do I got on YouTube? And I'm purposely happy that I've got 10 or 5 or 3. 
like micro numbers. That one got three views. Like that's hilariously little, <laughs> but I'm taking it as like, whatever. Like I'll laugh about it in ten years when I got a bazillion, whatever. Like I've got no, I'm not putting any issue or weight or concern on it, you know. Yeah, I'm just we, doing it. We, we talked about that holistically like, because I enjoy it because I do. Part. Yeah, and I like editing. Actually, getting back to the yeah. Final Cut Pro, I like editing. I like filming, thinking of shots. I was just gonna edit. I don't know, finding music. Like da da da. I know how to do thumbnails now. Like making cool thumbnails. Super easy. You know, it took me 20 years. <laughs> oh, it took you 20 years. <laughs> anyway, peace out. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, 20 years. I'm a slow learner. You hear that? The chicken wire. They're like banging against the wire. Two cents an acre. Peace. Two cents an acre. <laughs>